You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Today's episode of the After Chat is brought to you by BlueChew.com. Josh, last week you told us about BlueChew, and there are a lot of people said, you know what? I want to hear some more about this. Blue Chew, thank you, Bill, by the way, yeah. for, for bringing that up, uh, because a lot of people have been asking yeah. about Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, that's blue, like the color blue. Right. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night. And you know what? And here's the thing. A lot of people have been saying, well, do I need this? This isn't, you know, I don't have any problems down yeah, there. Yeah. I'm, I'm working fine. It's not about that. It's not about fixing a problem. It's about getting you to your best game. It's if, it's, and I would never suggest there's a problem, but it's, let's say if wonderful Willie's Willie was less than wonderful, you know, maybe it's been a long day. Maybe he's just tired. He could pop a blue chew and he could be at an A plus rating. That's what BlueChew.com I'm writing this down. All that, about. that was a very good pun. I really enjoyed that. Go oh, on. Uh, yeah. I, you, and you too can enjoy it with BlueChew. That's BlueChew.com. Now, here's the important part. Use the special promo code BILL. This is something we have for you guys, the after chatters. A special promo code BILL Wait, gets why you... did they pick my name for the special promo code? Well, that's neither here nor there. Well, wouldn't it be because it's really... Bill after chat? Sure, we'll go with that. Okay. Promo code Bill gets you your first shipment free. Really? That's absolutely free. You just pay $5 shipping and you get your first shipment free. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no more of the in-person doctor's visits, no more waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, for most of you at least, no more awkwardness. We, we can really only help with the delivery of Blue Chew. We can't really help yeah. with all of your right, awkwardness. Right. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BILL, B-I-L-L, to try it free. BlueChew.com. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. You know what, Josh? Yeah? Free is an excellent word that starts with an F and has four letters. And you, too, can enjoy a word that starts with an F and has four letters when you go to BlueChew.com. Promo code BILL. Welcome, everybody, to episode two of the After Chat. Wait I'm a minute. Josh. You're Josh Chernoff. I am. Host of my chat, right? The After Chat. Yeah. I was getting there. Yeah. And this is episode two. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I just said all that. I'm amazed that we're back. You know why? Why? Because we, we blew up we blew up the pod waves. Yeah, we kind of broke the internet, Bill. Yeah, we, we had to have pod wave people come in here for a week and repair things. You guys have never even seen pod wave people, what they look like. Unbelievable. Yikes. Actually, there's one in the corner over there. Oh. Yeah. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to uh, uh, to the After Chat. Josh, honestly, we really did blow up the pod waves. Yeah, there was a lot of controversy uh, over that first episode, part one of the Hulk Hogan interview. Of course, we have part two coming to you later on in the show today. That's today? That is today. This is incredible. Yeah, I can't what wait else to hear is, is, is he going to say? Um, and you know what? I, I, I want to give, I'm not going to give an opinion. I'm not going to do anything. We are not going to jump in here with, with any opinion other than listen to it for yourself. 
A lot of people have written one way. A lot of people have written another but way. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're not going to talk about any controversy. What we need to talk about is the controversy going on on the Internet about the placement of this podcast. What placement of this podcast? Well, where did we wind up this past week? Oh, well, I didn't know it was controversial, but we ended it up... It is, uh, because being... there are a lot of people saying they got that high, and I don't mean it that way, they got that high that quickly? One episode? We were number four, the number four spot in wrestling podcasts on Stitcher, uh, number 22 in all of sports, which is ridiculous. Wow. Number 22 in all of sports on Stitcher. Ridiculously even, good. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous that, that us talking about pro wrestling is number two uh, rated, or number 22. I'm, I'm really uh, number no, 22. No, it's okay. You can take one of the twos uh, <laughs> off. Um, we broke the top 100 spot on a podcast, on the podcast on iTunes. But I also wanted to... Bet- Beside you and I, I want to thank the Hulkster brother for being our first guest. And again, part two will be... Being our second un- guest as well. Yeah. But, I, but you know what? We'd be remiss if we did not thank you, the After Chatters, for, for getting us there. That's we weren't going to get to... I was saying uh, we broke top 100. We hit number 52 on all of the iTunes sports podcasts. That, to me, that is insane. And that is all thanks to you guys for giving it a shot. And girls. Listening. And yes. girls. Yeah, it's not That's just how we guys. ended the show last time. Really? When I say, for future reference, anybody listening, when I say guys, I mean everybody. No, I'm, I mean, gonna, I'm still going to jump on. Men, it. women, children. I even mean, I mean dogs and cats, too. Yeah, everybody. So listen, right now, one of the big, we have so much to talk about today. I want to get right into the news. The big thing happening, as you know, next week, Josh and I will be at StarCast. Yeah, we will. And that's the convention. Yeah. And that's the convention that is tied to the amazing all-in show that will be taking place at the Sears Center. And we figured, let's get an update from Conrad Thompson. Conrad is the man who single-handedly got a team together and has put together this incredible fan convention called StarCast. And there's so much going on. You can go to StarCast.com and find out everything about this. But we brought Conrad here today. Which was amazing for him to take the time to do that. Because, you know, remember I said we were number four? Yeah. Well, two of the three in front of us were Conrad's podcast. Yeah. He, he, this guy is so incredibly busy, yet he took the time to talk to us here about StarCast. And uh, Bill, you want to throw to that interview? Yeah, so right now, this is Bill Apter from the Apter Chat throwing to that interview. My podcast hero is here. Ladies and gentlemen, Conrad Thompson. StarCast is right upon us. The fever, it's just running through our blood, brother. So we want to get a, uh, going to get an update on StarCast from you. Because you are the maven of StarCast. Yeah, we're a week away. Yeah. All right, it's nice of you to say, man. Yeah, we're looking forward to having you guys. And, man, it's hard to believe that uh, we're this close. You know, this was just an idea all those months ago, and now it's really finally here. Can't believe it. But, uh, yeah, we're home stretching it. And if you haven't already, you can still join on all the fun. Go over to fight.tv forward slash StarCast. Uh, and we're wrapping up our big contest this coming Monday so maybe if you missed your chance at all-in tickets or a platinum bracelet, you can still get round-trip airfare to Chicago, a three-night stay in a hotel suite, platinum bracelets, a star cast, um, an eat-and-greet every single day, every official meet-and-greet, a whole bag full of swag, but maybe best of all, front-row tickets to all-in. I mean, there's some stuff in here you just can't buy 
and you can go ahead and automatically be registered in for that drawing. All you've got to do is pre-order the show on Fight, where you'll get more than 20 shows, over 40 hours of content, over 100 stars for one low price, fight.tv forward slash StarCast. Okay, now you mentioned All In, and we are very psyched for the whole weekend, of course. Now, with StarCast, uh, even though they're... Uh, this is going to be going to like one or two o'clock in the morning. This is like there's no sleep for wrestling fans and the people involved in this. And how many days has it been since you've gotten some sleep, Conrad? Man, I don't remember, but I'll <laughs> tell you this. I'm looking forward to September 3rd. Um, you know, I never thought that I would look forward to this being over. I've looked forward to it happening so so much and so long. And it's been really fun to see an idea come to life, but. Yeah, I'm a first-time promoter, you know, so i got to be honest. I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm doing my best and trying to figure it out, and everybody tells me I'm doing a great job, but we'll, we'll, we'll see you, upon the execution. We'll tell you that. Too. And do you have certain people assigned to certain uh, tasks and jobs uh, uh, handling this as well? Oh, absolutely, okay. yeah. I mean, you know, I've got a social media guy, Dave Hancock, who's helped us, and he's going to help run some of the front of the house, and I've got some other folks who've been involved in the wrestling business who have relationships with some of the talent who are going to sort of work as producers and the guy who has produced all of my live podcast shows mr dave silva uh he actually runs a television station in texas he's going to be a big help for us and on down the list chris mcdonald i guess is the unsung hero he's managed our website and all of our graphics and you know, we've just got tons of folks probably a staff of 70 by the time you count all the security and whatnot so it's a, it's a big, 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 all-encompassing monster that's taken over my life. When you first started with, with this idea, did you, did you think it was going to be as all-encompassing? Did you think it was going to become what most people are calling the biggest professional wrestling convention of all time, uh, which, is, which, is, uh, which I, I believe that? Did you think it would become this big? Well, that's nice for you to say. No, I mean, I still don't think it is. I still defer to, to WrestleCon, and I know that we're getting a lot of comparisons to WrestleCon, but, man, they're the OG of this. I have so much respect for what Michael Pacquiao and Hot oh, Spots yeah. have put together. I mean, people talk about WrestleCon and how much they look forward to that, almost as if it were, you know, WrestleMania Part Two. I mean, to me, more people talk about WrestleCon than they do Access, and that really just shows you, you know, the sort of entrepreneurial spirit, you know, what you can put together for fans. And so that was the inspiration is to say, hey, man, you know, how can we make this bigger and, uh, you know, more unique than some of the other conventions? But understanding we're never going to be WrestleCon. It's not WrestleMania weekend and you don't have, you know, 100,000 wrestling fans coming to town. But it is, it is quite the compliment that people are talking about it so highly. And my idea was definitely to create, you know, a fantasy camp for wrestling fans, like a full weekend of, hey, what would I want to do? Because I'm not a wrestling promoter. I'm not a wrestling personality. I'm a fan. And so I brought that approach to the scheduling, and I maybe have uh, created too much, and we'll find out, I guess. Uh, with you know, all the maybe pressure. Maybe it'll be awesome. Maybe it'll be a cluster. Yeah, but all, all the uh, – I think it's going to be awesome. But with all the pressure – of uh, doing this, you and Bruce Pritchard managed to go up to New York on SummerSlam weekend and appear at the Gramercy Theater. Yeah, the the beat goes on, man. You know, we've had uh, live shows every single month, and I'm still doing the three podcasts and still doing the, the Patreons and 
most of all still doing the mortgage biz. And oh, by the way, as if that wasn't enough, I'm still planning a wedding for October. <laughs> yeah, so yes, yes. And it's just one thing after another. But I, I, I've managed to make it, but I'm not going to lie. September 3rd can't get here fast enough. Well, yeah. and, and now we've got you on the after chat, too. So <laughs> one more thing. Well, that's that's my great honor to be here. You know, everybody listening to this grew up, you know, getting your magazines. And I was never a subscriber, but I bought them every single month. And so the way that happened in my household is mom would make me go to the grocery store with her. And back then there was a newsstand in the grocery store. And I guess they still have them there, but they're not nearly what they were. And there's a whole row of wrestling magazines. And I was able to, you know, learn who was where and what was going on in these other promotions and you know, I was a kid. I flipped right to the rankings, and I wanted to see where everybody stacked up. And there's so many innovations that you don't maybe get all the credit that you deserve. And the idea that I get to come on here and talk wrestling with you is my great honor. Thank you. I, I really, really, really appreciate it. So what we're going to do now is something we might have done in the magazines back when I was there. We have some of the matches for All In and this is bringing glory back to the National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Championship. So it's time right now to go to our prediction center and see what Conrad Thompson predicts winners and losers for some of the matches at All In. Josh, you have the card in front of you here? Yeah, I mean, we'll just hit a couple of them. But uh, uh, Kenny Omega versus Pentagon Jr., I love both of these guys. I think Pentagon Jr. is going to be, you know, one of those breakout stars that everybody's talking about. I don't know how he's not on everybody's radar yet, but he will be after all in. I would love to say that he pulls off the upset, but I just don't see it. I still think Kenny Omega is one of the best wrestlers in the world, and uh, I see Kenny coming out victorious here. Exactly what I was going to say. Uh, we have a fatal four-way, a female fatal four-way. Uh, Madison Rain, Chelsea Green, Britt Baker, and Tessa Blanchard. Uh, who's your pick on that one? Well, to me, you know, I think a lot of people are going to have Tessa circled in here because she's done yeah. so much lately and been mm -hmm. so dominant on impact. But I'm going to go the other way. I'm going Chelsea Green. I'm a bit of a homer. Um, <laughs> I'm, friend, I'm friends with Zach, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, she puts the smack down. Well, I, that, that, that one I disagree. I think Tessa Blanchard's... Uh, uh, gonna, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, here's a really interesting one uh, that came together. Christopher Daniels versus Stephen Amell. Yeah, and I'm I, a big Arrow fan, yeah. too. What do you think about that? You know, I, I'm going to go the other way. I think a lot of people um, probably see a matchup like this, and they think, oh, the celebrity is going to get the uh, the sympathy and he's going to get the win. Nah. I don't see no. it. You know, I <laughs> saw Christopher Daniels' promo on being the elite, and mm -hmm. I think he's exactly right. I think Stephen Amell is going to fail this city. I think uh, Christopher <laughs> Daniels gets the win. Uh, I absolutely agree with you because Christopher Daniels is a, a really good, a great, experienced, fine, professional wrestler. He's not a sports entertainer. He's a wrestler, and I think Stephen Amell has got uh, a lot to worry about. Uh, we got Golden Elite versus uh, Rey Mysterio, Bandito, and Phoenix. You know, it's hard for me to argue against Golden Elite. Um, you know, those guys have been so dominant, and, you know, this is uh, partially their event. And the idea that they don't come up victorious at their own show, to me, would be uh, a disservice. But... You know, it is a bit of a dream match. Uh, I, I can't say that 
I've ever imagined. I would say a Young Buck Ray Mysterio match like this. I think this right. will probably be the show stealer, but I'm going with the I'm going with the Bucks. All right, and finally, of course, for the National Wrestling Alliance Heavyweight Championship of the World, the champion Nick Aldis taking on the very game challenge of Cody Rhodes. And we know that Cody recently has had some really bad luck in title matches in Japan and Ring of Honor as well. However, um, I see that almost as inspiration for him overcoming those losses. And I pick Cody Rhodes to become the next National Wrestling Alliance heavyweight champion. You know, those other titles, while they were important, you know, they weren't the focus of Cody's. You know, Cody's been focused on this belt for months and maybe years, and some would say perhaps even a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And the goal was always to become a world champion, and he reached that when he became the Ring of Honor world champion. But when you talk about tradition, which is what the NWA is, I can't think of a better way to put a stamp on this show than to have Cody Rhodes become the new NWA world champion. And I think, um, I think he's going to have the upper hand on Nick Aldis, who, by the way, I think has done a tremendous job bringing the NWA's world title back into the spotlight. Uh, you know, no disrespect to anyone who's held it prior to him, but I think what Nick Aldis has done has gotten that belt back into the national conversation or the global sure. conversation as it were. And kudos to Billy and Dave Lagana and most of all Nick Aldis for carrying the heavy water. But I think it's time for uh, a change, and maybe it's time um, for Cody Rhodes to become the new NWA world champion. All right. Conrad, thank you so very much. And where, of course, can people find all the ongoing information for both StarCast and All In? You can follow everything right now at StarCast.com. If you haven't already, you owe it to yourself to follow us on Twitter. And if you were following us last night, you saw where we just had a last-minute addition. I can't believe we were able to secure it. But good old JR will be joining us at StarCast. He's going to have a show on Sunday. Uh, the most bang for your buck, man. This thing's been sold out forever, and we're still adding names. Just in the last two weeks, we've added Scott Steiner. We've added Tommy Dreamer. And now Jim Ross. The big names keep on rolling. You never know what you're going to see. So follow us on Twitter if you haven't already, at StarCast18, or check us out online at StarCast.com. But the place to be if you can't make it to uh, the show in Chicago, well, that's simple. It's fight.tv forward slash StarCast. And fight is spelled F-I-T-E. And, of course, there's two R's in StarCast. We'll look forward to seeing you guys there. Well, again, thank you to Conrad Thompson for, for joining us Uh Really looking forward to StarCast. But right now, it's time, Bill, for us to throw a headlock on headlines. All right. Uh, is that you grunting in the, uh, in the headlock on headlines? Thing? Actually, it's HIPAA regulations. I can't say who it is. Yikes. All right. First up, WWE Super Showdown will take place on October 6, 2018 at the Melbourne Cricket Ground in Melbourne, Australia. Yes. And the main event yes. of the evening yeah. has been announced. What is this voice? It's, it's, it's my Melbourne. I never told you that. I don't think you're far enough away from no, the No, no, no. I, I never told you that. That one time in Baltimore, Maryland, after WCW show, uh, this lady tried to pick me up in the bar, not physically. 
And uh, one of my friends who was with me, one of the other PWI writers, says, oh, he's not from here. He's from Australia. So she says, so what's your name? And I said, Mel. She said, what's your last name? I said, Bourne, Melbourne. <laughs> so that was every time I hear Melbourne, that brings that up. Anyway, look, back to the headline here. All and right. don't edit I, that out. I think, I think that needs to stay in I here. think that uh, that is the headline. In case she's still listening. Yeah. Oh, my. Uh, the I hope that we can get to more stories about. Uh, but no, about the Australian the, uh, show. This is yes. Uh, so the main event: Triple H versus the Undertaker. The era returns to I guess end again. Well, this is the final time ever. Instead of the first time ever, this is the final time ever. Yes, and Bill, this Last is the no first flash. match the two of them have had together since WrestleMania 28. That was April 1st, 2012. What do you yeah. think? What do you well, what are, first what are your of thoughts all, on this? First of all, this stadium's going to seat like close to 90,000 people. Yeah. Or 85. Um, what do I think about this match? Well, of course, the fans are hoping or were hoping that the Undertaker would be taking Sting on here, but as we know, Sting is no longer wrestling. And by the way, I have some Sting news at the end of the show today. Yeah. This is like major Sting news. Okay. Not minor. This is like major Sting news. Oh. Okay? Okay. I'm excited. uh, No, no. So Triple H and The Undertaker against each other in this spectacle, and I think both of them are going to be, pardon the pun, at the top of their game. I really do. I think this is going to be incredible, and I think that Triple H at this point in his career is going to be gracious enough to see that the Undertaker winds up with his complete reputation back intact in front of 85, 90,000 fans live and the millions and millions watching on the WWE Network. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think this is going to be uh, a great old school. Ma- I can't believe I'm referring to Triple H and Undertaker as old school. It is old, but uh, but yeah, it's going to have that that old school kind of feel. It's it's not going to be the most fast paced match. I, I would suggest. Well, maybe um, we don't know. But no, I think uh, hey, you got the cerebral assassin in there. I think it's going to be a very cerebral match. I think uh, there's going to be a really good story told in this match, and I'm looking forward to it. And I think the Undertaker is going to be able to. He was really moving pretty well at WrestleMania, yeah. and I think him and Triple H in there is is going to be an entertaining match. Well, he's had he's had uh, competitive match, entertaining match, but the Undertaker's had a lot of time right now to rest up and get his. Yeah body back into uh, back into working properly again. Yeah, and so. I'm, I, I have uh, I have high expectations, but I don't think too high. Oh, I do. Um, so, no, so I have, I think high, and I have high expectations. Okay, I, I think that. Oh, I don't mean that in a in a derogatory way. That well, what do you I, mean? I mean that in a sense that I don't think my expectations are so high that it's unachievable. For them, I, I think that this is going to be a good match between the two of them. I think it's going to be an entertaining spectacle. We're going to happening, be, if you yeah, will. Yeah, but we're going to be talking about this match for years to come. Okay, really at least so. for the next couple I, of weeks. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. But I think we're good. Everybody's good. This is going to be one of those matches that's going to be etched in your memory. So people have been uh, have been bringing up, you know, the end of an era. Now it's back, and and there's been uh, some people that I was watching SummerSlam with mentioned the correlation to the once in a lifetime. Rock versus John Cena uh-huh. until the following year when okay. it happened again. Yeah. Um, 
they're now, you know, end of an era, that's it. These two will never wrestle again. Now they're wrestling again, saying this is the absolute last time. I feel pretty confident that this is the absolute last time the two of them will compete against each other. Right. What do you think? But it doesn't mean that this will be the ending match of Triple H's career. I don't think it's going to be the ending match of The Undertaker's career. I don't career. either. I don't no, either. I, I can't imagine he'd be going out during this. Okay, what's next? The Return of the Shield. Wow. Yeah. I have to tell you that I, you know, a lot of the controversy over the way that Roman Reigns won the Universal Championship at SummerSlam is still reverberating. And on Monday Night Raw, the following night, he made an open challenge. He said that he was going to be a fighting champion, not mm-hmm. like Barack Lesnar, and that he would accept any challenges. And he challenged Finn Balor because because that's where Finn originally won the Universal title. This is where... Uh, Roman Reigns won his title at SummerSlam at the Barclays Center we're talking about in right. Brooklyn and he challenged uh, uh, Finn to be the challenger for this match and he did. it was a really good hard fought match between the two of them and where it looked like Roman Reigns well Roman Reigns pinned him yeah, he, did oh, beat he him, won right? convincing he won victory but then Braun Strowman came out with the Money in the Bank briefcase. To try and cash and, in once again. Yeah, to cash in. And what happened? Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins come walking really like soldiers down the ramp there. And in the SWAT three, garb. Yeah, the three of them went to town on Braun Strowman, destroying Braun Strowman. So in my opinion, first of all, during his single match against Finn, mm-hmm. he was acting more like a heel than I've ever seen before and the he fans were feeding Roman into Reigns. it yes. yes fans were really feeding into it now the shield comes joins him where they're protecting him from losing the title to Braun Strowman they they the three of them by the end of that time when they finished with Strowman were the most hated trio back again the hated shield they were there again see I I did not feel that at all to be honest, really, with you, I felt the crowd uh, went went banana. I believe is what Pat Patterson would say. Um, Bananas. Uh, yeah, no, there's no S. Never an S at the Banana. end of uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> anything Pat Patterson says. Um, but no, I, I I think the crowd went nuts uh, when when the Shield came out and when they motioned they were going to go and put Strowman through the table. I think the crowd was eating it up, and that's where I'm but it turned them heel again. I don't yeah, know that it did turn them heel. I think it did. I think it didn't. Because that's fine. <laughs> I, you're entitled no, to your opinion. Thank you. But no, I and you're entitled to yours, of course. But I, I think I think that uh, with this audience and, and okay, look, and this is the, the audience in New York, so you don't know how it's gonna play out next week when they're wherever they're going to be next week. But, but wait, wait, keep keep in mind it wasn't just people in Brooklyn, it was just New Yorkers there. There were people from everywhere. Oh, sure. Everywhere there. Of course, but there's yeah. also, there. I mean, there's a unique crowd, and that whether it's just the New Yorkers or it's the fact that you have so many hardcore wrestling fans coming together yeah. in one place. That's what it is. Um, but, you know, I, I just, to me, it didn't feel like, it didn't feel like they were getting any heel heat. It, it seemed like they, they were did. getting a, a, you know, a, 
at the least a nostalgia pop, but I think people were excited about it, about this return. Um, I'm curious to see where this goes. You know, uh, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose have been in this feud with Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. And while that could have been, you know, considered to have been blown off uh, earlier in the night, I don't think it was. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're forgetting something here. Rollins has championship now. Well, he's the Intercontinental Champion. That's what I'm talking about. So he's Intercontinental Champion right now. So if he's protecting Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, Mm -hmm. the chances of him getting a shot at that belt are almost nil at this point. Yeah. See, and I've been, I was thinking that we were going to be seeing uh, Dean Ambrose turn on Seth Rollins. I expected no, to see turn against. That. Oh, God, Please, we're going to do this again. Turn against. Right, I forgot. You don't like turned on. No, per- no, I do, but that's one of our sponsors. Blue Chew. Yes. Yeah. You want to talk about turned on, but go on. I, I, really, I really don't, as much as I want to plug our sponsor, Blue Chew, um, bluechew.com, promo code Bill. Uh, however, I was expecting for, uh, for Dean Ambrose to uh, turn against, turn against... Seth Rollins. It did not happen. Maybe it'll happen down the line. Maybe they'll even tease the same thing happening again, like what you're talking about with Seth Rollins being the Intercontinental Champion, but he can't get any higher for the Universal. But I think that's going to happen with Dean Ambrose. As they say, the cliche time will tell. It's funny, every time somebody says the word against on a wrestling podcast, in my head I hear Bret Hart going, against. See, I hear hear Chris Jericho, another Canadian, going against as well. But maybe I'm hearing again. Chris Jericho's never, never, ever. Your Brett says against Yeah, the British Bulldog. Well, maybe you'd like to come on the show here and say something. You know what? Would you like us to have, you people like us to have Bret Hart? On that? Yeah, you know what? We would like to hear who you would like to have us on as have us on no, as a guest. On. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just yeah going yeah. on here. Yeah. Oh, it's been it's been a long way, it's been a long about, week with a lot of uh, a lot of controversy. A lot of, of our this, uh, like last week, Hulk Hogan on our interview did a great Randy Savage. You know, I do a Bret Hart imitation. I do a lot of imitations. I, I don't interview want you to feel me like you real have quick. To. Yeah, it, this is headlines, but let me give you a quick before we go to the next headline. Sure. And give me you're the broadcaster. What I'm Bret Hart. Uh, Bret Hart, uh, what brought you back to the WWE after all these years? It was the thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was. I can't say this joke on the air that I want to say. Okay, you can't. The, the joke cannot be said on the air. You know what um, the joke I, is. I, th- I do know what the joke okay. is, because um, I think you said it on your on your uh, video onewrestling.com YouTube channel. I? I believe you said it once Did before. I? Yeah, but uh, but you know how? All about, right. Well, you know what. You know what brought me back to the WWE? What, Brett? They offered me enough money to clear my throat. There it is. That's folks. what it is. Okay. This is a terrible joke. Bret Hart would be an incredible guest, and he's one of the best wrestlers and best people. My favorite wrestler of all time, Bret the Hitman. Is Hart. he really? Yeah, he is. Wow. Absolutely. Of all the time. All right. What's up? We will try and uh, reach out to Brett. And okay, but no, but we would like to hear from all, all of you after chatters. Fun, by the way. Yeah. Uh, tweet us at the after chat. Tell us who would you like us to have on as a guest. Yeah, we would love to know. And if you tag that person in there, uh, then that really helps me in uh, badgering them to come on the show. Okay, all right. See, I have to badger them. Bill just sends them a text or picks up the phone and says, and they say, "Hey, so and so, you yeah. want to come on the show?" They go, "Bill, of course, anything for you." For me, it's uh, Josh. It's, who? Yeah, exactly. No. Josh Chernoff. Yes, I know that. Host of the After Chat. I know that. So let's move on here to uh, Headlock on Headlines. What's next? 
Next up, we have the American Dream Scholarship, which was just announced by Cody Rhodes and, and uh, Brandy Rhodes. Well, you know what? You know what? Rather than us explaining it, mm -hmm. I went on special assignment this week, and I reached out to a man who is one of the best, dearest friends of everyone in the Rhodes family. Is that where you were? Yeah. His name was Ray Lloyd, and it still is. And he wrestled under the name of Glacier, if you will. So Red Now, wonderful Willie, is going to transfer you over to the pod waves to listen to Glacier talk to us about the very first, the very first American Dream scholarship, if you will. On the after chat right now, the chatter is with Ray Glacier Lloyd. Or is it Glacier Ray Lloyd? Which one is it? <laughs> I prefer Glacier Ray Lloyd. It, okay. it flows a little bit easier and better. <laughs> so in the magazines, in the magazines, really, we just called you Glacier. We, as you know, we didn't give names out back then. The dirt sheets did, but we didn't. Oh, uh, no, which is one of the reasons why I, I, I still love, you know, just respect and admire you because of that. Well, I appreciate uh, that. and I, You don't ruin the magic, which I love. Well, so. thank you, and I respect and admire you for keeping true to your persona and also being one of the nicest people that I've met in the wrestling industry. I'll never forget when the American Dream Dusty Rhodes said to me, Will Apner, always put an N in my name, Will Apner, I want to introduce <laughs> you right now to the man named Glacier. And, uh, yeah, and I know what a dear friend Dusty Rhodes was to you, which is why I wanted to bring you on the after chat today to talk about something special, really special that's going on. But how did you meet the American Dream Dusty Rhodes? You know, well, you know, growing up in South Georgia, of course, I was my, my twin brother and I were very fortunate. We got to watch wrestling, you know, and uh, through Georgia and Florida, Florida Championship Wrestling. We were right on the Georgia Florida line. And yeah, of course, I was a kid in the 70s. I, you know, Dusty was a childhood hero of mine. And I yeah. never even thought I'd meet him once I got into wrestling and eventually got to WCW. Uh, even then, that's when I first met him at WCW in the, in the you know, the 90s, of the mid to late 90s. But um, I didn't really get to know him really that well because, um, like, I, even though I just was in awe of him, I was kind of intimidated, just like a lot of people were. Sure. Of him. Um, so I really didn't get to know him really well until he started Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling, his own company in 2000. And he actually uh, one day called me out of the blue and said, uh, I want to talk to you about, you know, I'm starting my own company and I, I need a right-hand man and I want to talk to you about it. And um, a great, great friendship and uh, even more than a friendship was developed then and, and has you know carried on until – to the very end, you know, yeah, which, and I still yeah. continue to, to carry it on. Yeah, he always uh, spoke to me about his uh, his inner circle, and you were always part of that very beloved inner circle of his. And you got to know his family very well, of course, his wife, Michelle, uh, his sons, Dustin Absolutely. and Cody, and, of, of course, uh, uh, Brandy, uh, his uh, daughter-in-law. You know, the uh, Teal and, and Cody, it was just great. I actually... Because they were living in Marietta, and, yeah. I, and I was living in that area, too. It, it kind of got to watch them grow up, which was kind of cool. Yeah, I know. I know. And Cody right now, as you know, has become such a humongous figure in the wrestling business. And this is one of the things that yeah. I wanted to talk to you about here on the After Chat, is that there's something going on that you clued me in about a few days ago, and I said, my God, I wish I would have known about this earlier. And this is called the American Dream scholarship and it's being endorsed by the Rhodes family so would you tell us about the American Dream scholarship if you will yeah 
And thanks so much for for allowing me to to, to you know to come on to after chat and talk about it. Uh, yeah, it's something that uh, because of the relationship that I had with Dusty and it meant so much to me, just like it did with so many people in the wrestling business that got to know him and 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 not just the people that got to know him, just the fans across the world. I and mean, he's one of the most iconic names in the history of our, our you know industry. And uh, I opened up a wrestling school in Atlanta uh, a little over a year ago, and uh, my business partner QT Marshall, who's been with NXT, been with Ring of Honor, um, he came to me with this idea and he said, you know, uh, you know, how about putting together a super camp weekend and we can do it in, in, in honor, you know, the memory of, uh, of Dusty. Cause I knew how much you know, he meant to you. And, uh, and it was just, it seemed like the perfect idea and a, and a perfect way to, to really pay tribute to, to, to my, you know, my friend Dusty and, and just the legacy of Dusty and what he stood for. And, uh, you know, he helped so many young wrestlers come up, especially in the, you know, his, his latter years when he was working with NXT and stuff like that. So um, this is just a way to, one, is to, to bring a, a lot of young, hungry wrestlers, uh, you know, together for a weekend of some really, really good, intense, you know, training with some, some great coaches, but also a great chance to network and a great chance to just pay tribute to, to uh, you know, to, to Dusty and, and his legacy. So what, what is the, uh, who will the scholarship or scholarships be awarded to? Yeah, this is um, it's a really unique setup for this weekend. We have Dr. Tom Pritchard coming in, uh, Les Thatcher, Kevin Kelly, you know, three of the most well-known coaches that go all over the world and, and do their seminars. Uh, they're going to come in and uh, they're actually going to uh, run the, the, the camps Friday and Saturday, and and then uh, you know as we get to the end of the Saturday uh, edition of the camp, they are going to get together and they're actually going to pick four uh, participants, four males, four females, to actually wrestle on the Sunday afternoon show. Um, and through that process of a one-day tournament, we will actually crown the, the first ever American scholarship winner, you know, the first male and female winner. Wow. And, uh, and it will totally be decided by, you know, what the coaches, uh, they've got a ton of things that they're going to, um, you know, grade the, the, the participants on. And we've got a huge turnout already set. And it's, uh, it's just, it's going to be a very unique uh, weekend, but also one where any participant there, uh, it's not based necessarily on who's the greatest athlete or whatever. It's like an all-around formula that they're going to go with uh, as far as work yeah, ethic and, yeah. and all this stuff to say, okay, here and the first, um, you know, uh, winners of the, the uh, um, scholarship uh, will be will be awarded the scholarship on, on Sunday. And, of course, uh, Cody and Brandy themselves will actually be there to personally present the scholarship we have these beautiful crystal awards that we have made. They're really, really heavy, and they, they have the, the, the logo and everything from the uh, that we have made for the, the seminar on the Super Camp weekend. And also there's just a big, you know, uh, just uh, signature cowboy boot on the top of the crystal statue. Of course, it signifies something that was uh, always something associated with Dusty. And uh, we're not giving away just the, uh, the, the crystal trophy. It's um, that we're giving away a monetary award that we're going to keep a surprise until – the, the day you know, okay. till we give the event the uh, scholarship right. away it's going to be a it's going to be a nice one though and they're also giving away a free year supply of uh well we're we're located in within chip smith performance systems building in atlanta georgia chip is another mentor of mine who's a um uh world-renowned sports performance uh coach trains more nfl athletes than anyone out there but chip is uh sponsored by dimatize which is one of the top nutritional brands out there and uh and through his um uh, his sponsorship and his connections, we're donating um, a full year supply of Dimatize, um supplements and nutrition supplements that, uh, that the winners will be able to take, which is worth 
you know, a ton of money just in itself right there. Uh, so, yeah, and, and just the uh, and, and, and the prestige to be able to say they were the winners of the first annual. Yeah, uh, I mean, this, know, is, this is amazing. Uh, American Scholarship. Now, by the way, really I is. have, as you know, as you know, since I've been in the wrestling business for 51 years now, I've donated. Oh, wow. I've donated. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, for a few years, I've donated uh, a copy of my book is wrestling fixed. I didn't know it was broken to both the male and female winner just to get a uh, a look at what uh, what the road was back then right you know and, and i just when, when you and i talked about it i thought man what an amazing addition you know to, to this whole scholarship um you know setup because like you said and, and and you know putting a special message in the you know you, you know signing it and then putting a special message with your email on how to contact you so you can follow the journey of, of these winners and uh, and hopefully they go on to have great careers and so that we you can say hey you know i, I knew him when you know and uh so it's just it's a perfect addition to the weekend and bill we really thank you really thank you for, for donating that so if you were in the body of the mind of the american dream and the camera's on you right <laughs> now and you have 30 seconds to do a promo on the uh, American Dream Scholarship, what would that sound like? <laughs> well, first of all, I have to say as if Dusty were talking to me, because he always—he <laughs> was the only person I know of who always called me Raymond. And yeah. I, I think he'd say something like this: "Like Raymond, you got to make sure to tell everybody to be there at Atlanta, Georgia, this coming weekend for the American Dream Scholarship Super Camp. They're going to get funky like a monkey. The American Dream, the man of the power, the man of the hour, the power of power, too sweet to be sour. If they miss it, they're going to be sorry. Tell them to show up and come see what it's all about and what everybody's getting funky about. If you will, that, where can people find us on if social media? That was great. Where can people find us? The best and easiest place is just on our Facebook page, which is One Fall Power Factory. Okay, Four great. Words. And great. all the information is on there. Ray Lloyd, thank you so much. The glacier lives, if you will, and we are anxious <laughs> to hear about the the incredible event going on this weekend. And again, check it out on Facebook. And as Freddie Miller used to say, be there. Bill, that was a great interview with Glacier. Yeah. Uh, it was the uh, tip of the iceberg, if you oh, will. Oh, that's we got a pun a lot I to, wish I would have said. To talk about. Yeah, yeah, I thought you'd like that. So one of the things that we need to talk about before we move on with the agenda and our show here is at the beginning of the show, our commercial, our sponsor, uh, Bluetube, a lot of people had questions about it, and you cleared it up quite a bit yeah i mean bluechew.com look they're they are our sponsor but uh so i actually had a friend call me the other day he, yeah. he listens to the podcast he mm -hmm. listened last week and he got himself a a package of blue chew yeah and he said he called me up and he said uh listen i'd like to i'd like to tell you a little bit about my experience and i i said uh please don't uh, you know i don't i don't need to <laughs> yeah, really, too and, much information uh, yeah and he, and he said no no you have no idea this stuff is amazing. And I said, okay, great. That's uh, that's awesome to know. I'll share it on the podcast. He goes, no, no, no. It was really, really amazing. Like I, I popped this chewable and in no time, I am just, it was like I was back in college. I'm like, that's wow. that's great, man. Get, wow. you know, but and you know, don't, the, the, don't feel obligated to continue to tell me about this. But this is a, this is, Blue Chew is, it's all about that four letter word. That oh my, Bill! I don't. Everybody. I don't think that feel good. And it starts with the letter F. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, F should I cut? R E E. Oh yes, free, and you can get Blue Chew free for the first shipment with special promo code Bill. I'm, I'm what, so. What did I'm you like stumbling over my words. Say? I thought you were going with a different. No, F no, word. no. 
free is a great four-letter word that starts with the letter F. See, and I thought you were going to go with no. fair. Oh. oh. As in, this is a really fair deal. Okay? Your first shipment will be free if you use the special promo code BILL. Just $5 shipping. But but back to, to my buddy who was telling me all about this. And, uh, and, and again, super happy to hear how great uh, his experience has been with Blue Chew. Uh, he told me, you will absolutely love this. And he's telling me, he's like, Josh, you got to use this. And I'm like, hey, you know, look, uh, you know, I'm a married man with two but, kids. Right, I have but, no time But to when use you're this. using Blue Chew, there's something you got to think of. What's that? It, it's, it's a code word. Bill? Yeah. Oh, gotta my. think of me. No, no, not, okay. Let's, let's specify. When you're using Blue Chew, Please do not think of Bill. When you're buying Blue Chew, when you go to bluechew.com, that's when we want you to think of Bill. Oh, yes. I thought you said... No, no, no. We, 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 we want you to go to bluechew.com, promo code Bill, Oh, and get your first shipment free. Please, I cannot stress this enough, do yourself a favor. See a hypnotist if you have to. Do not think of Bill while you're using the Blue Chew. Only think of Bill while you're buying the Blue Chew. But uh, I will spare you the rest of the comments that my friend had to say, uh, I, but I will leave you with this. Uh, his results were incredible. Uh, my, I didn't sleep that night because of the trauma from having to hear about his results, uh, but the one takeaway that I can give you is that if you go to bluechew.com and use the promo code BILL to get your first shipment free, again, it's only $5 shipping, for your first shipment free, you too could have these same results that, that my, my, uh, my friend that I will not mention his name uh, and may not ever look in the eye again after the things he told me. Uh, you will have very similar results. And by the way, one other thing that people are asking me about this. What's that? They're saying, so wait a minute, so we get one chewable? Yeah. No, you get a month's supply. Right. Yeah, this isn't like one time for free. So in February, they only get 28? Oh, God. Okay, promo code Bill, bluechew.com is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. Remember the four-letter word that starts with an F, free but don't think about Bill while you're using it. So last week, the pod waves here on the After Chat were alive with Hulkamania. They were running wild, brother. Yeah, they were running wild, brother, and a lot of uh, a lot of controversy. Well, on this second part, we decided to talk to Hulk about various facets of his career mm-hmm. that he rarely ever talked about because no one ever asked him. Yeah, well, we, we asked him, and, and some of you had questions for him as well, uh, and we got to those. And uh, this one was really interesting to me, Bill. Yeah. Uh, as a fan of, of Hulk Hogan and, and the character and Hollywood Hogan, yeah. uh, and he really touched, touched on every single aspect of his career that I could think of. There's a lot of stuff I didn't know about, to be honest. Did you know on this part he talked about who was the real inspiration behind the whole Hulkamania thing and how he coined that phrase, where it came from? I did know because I was a part of the interview, but you, you know were. who didn't know? The After Chatters. But you know who's going to know in a minute? The After Chatters. What you going to do when the After Chatters run all over you, brother? Hulk Hogan. So one of the questions I wanted to ask, this came from Fred. In the Hulkamania era, 
it seemed like there was one top spot in the company, and there was always discussion about who could replace you, uh, like the attempt with the warrior. Um, in the Attitude Era, it seemed like there was room for more than one top star, and it worked out very well for business to have those multiple headliners. Why do you think it was uh, the feeling in the 1980s and early 90s that you would have to step aside for somebody else to be a headliner as opposed to having all those headliners together? Well, you know, a lot of people really don't know the history of this business. Um, when you talk about one top spot, this business, you know, used to be a shoot. Mm -hmm. This business used to be a shoot. When I went to New York the first time for Vince McMahon, the WWF champion and the WWF champion, Bob Backlund, made more money than all the rest other wrestlers. Yeah. So that's a shoot, brother. Mm -hmm. That's a damn shoot. When the champion makes more money, you know, than yeah. the, the guy he's wrestling, that's a shoot. So everybody who wants to be the champion, I mean, come on. A lot of people don't know that. When Vince Sr., he was so old school that Vince Sr. thought the champion, and he was, you know, in his, back in the day, that was the right train of thought, that the champion does make more money than everybody else. So, I mean, it, would, it, would it ever be okay with, would you be okay with losing then? Well, yeah, no problem. I don't mind doing a job. Are you kidding me? Hell yeah, I mind doing a job. The champion makes more money. So back in the day, it was like the fastest draw, the fastest gun. You know, and a lot of people don't know that. Though I don't know if a lot of your fans know that or not. No, they don't. But when I, when I used to ask wrestlers um, back in my radio days in the, in the mid-60s, when I'd go down and talk to the wrestlers, and every fan, of course, on the radio ex expected me to ask, you know, is wrestling fixed or is wrestling fake? And the answer always was, why would, it, why would I agree to throw a match? Because the champion makes more money than the challengers. Well, I mean, that's just how it was, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and Vince Sr. gave the champion more money. So, yeah. holy smokes, I don't know how it could be a bigger shoot than that, you know. So, and, and then things changed a little bit, you know. Um, the business kind of leveled out when it became, even before it was sports entertainment, when I started my shenanigans up there, you know, in, in the early, let's see, 84, mm -hmm. you know, I kind of like put the little first sports entertainment twist on it, even though, you know, people like Georgie Animal Steel were actually sports entertaining the audience. Right. Baron von Raschke was, you know, his foot stomp where he stomped with his, like a German soldier with his legs straight around the ring holding his claw, his claw, Chief J. Strongbow. These guys were really doing the sports entertainment stuff. Dusty Rhodes was, you know, wiggling his butt, doing the shake, rattle, and roll, and hit you with the elbow. But for some reason, you know, I showed up with the music. You know, like I said before, I've stolen a little bit from everybody, you know, from Dusty Rose to Billy Graham to everybody I can think of and put it out there my own way. And so all of a sudden when the sports entertainment era, you know, came along, you know, the pay kind of like the top guys made a certain tier of money. The semi-main events guy made a little less. You know, the tag guys made their tier of money and then it went down. You know, so it was kind of like it was more like a like a rainbow, you know, like the red on top and then the blue, and then there were different levels of pay. So it wasn't just one guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so it, it kind of changed, you know, um, in, in the, in the eighties a little bit. And then as we moved into the nineties and stuff, you know, you know, people talked about having the first guaranteed contracts. So when I went to work in 
there in 80, 84 when I went back. I had a guaranteed contract for 10 years. Really? You know, I had a contract, I had a contract back then for 10 years. Yeah. I signed when I went back when I left Burns. So if ever, anybody's talking about the first guaranteed contracts, I don't know if anybody had one before then, but I had one. And, uh, you know, so as you move forward, things kind of evened out. And I think with multiple shows running, you know, because back in the day, everybody kind of would always tell me, you know, I'm not bragging about this. The wrestlers would tell me, oh, my God, I want, they got their bookings to see if they're on the Hogan show. Because at the time when, you know, the Hulk and Mania thing was red hot, we had a hard time not selling out for many, many years. Right. And Bill, these aren't urban legends. You can tell him that's, that's just how it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was there. And, and it was really insane. And then, you know, the other guys that were headlining the other shows, you know, sometimes they do good, sometimes they do a little less. But, you know, things kind of evened out, you know, with, with the pay. And then when we got into the 90s, there was so much TV and there was so much programming and there was so much content that oh. you actually needed more stars. You know, you had to spread the wealth. So mm -hmm. I saw that change, you know, when, the, when, there, when, the, when there started to be so much content and there, there had to be so much wrestling instead of four hours a week of wrestling, it turned into 12 and then 20, you know, it got right. really crazy. So I think it just kind of evened out over the years. And then, you know, some champions would come in and, you know, sometimes the squeaky wheel gets oiled. Sometimes if you say something about your money, you know, um, I knew champions that, you know, made millions and millions of dollars, you know, wrestling, you know, for a year. And then some champions, you know, would wrestle all year and not do very well at all, you know. And, and then that's when everybody's pay started changing, you know, when the champion kind of like, quit making less money it kind of like everything kind of went down but it went in ebbs and flows you know but it all kind of evened out over the years so we're mentioning all these different times in your career um one question i had for you was what's your favorite time in your career because you have so many unique iconic uh characters or, or or moments between the nwo and hulkamania and then when you came back to the wwe what was your favorite time in your career well the favorite time of all bar none was when i went back to madison square garden and won the belt from the iron sheet yeah. it was the perfect yeah. it was the perfect storm you know we had 444 american hostages at the time being held in iran we were at a fever pitch with America versus Iran over this hostage situation. Oh. Yeah, it was, it, I mean, you know, we got a couple of hostages in North Korea and a couple of hostages there. And I'm not trying to make small of that at all because that's a huge deal. Of course. But can you imagine 444 American hostages being held in Iran and they weren't letting them go? And all of a sudden, the all American Hulk Hogan goes after the Iron Sheik, who actually was the real Shah of Iran's bodyguard for a while. Yeah. So it was a perfect storm. So when it took off in that Hulkamania thing, the garden was electric that night. And when it took off, it just never stopped. And the reason it was so great was it was the first time for all of us. It was the first time going on this crazy roller coaster ride with, oh, my God, MTV. And, oh, my gosh, you know, the, the Grammys and this and that and the other. It just Saturday night's main event. Yeah, it was just the cartoons, the merchandise. It was our first time around the block. You know, it's like having your first girlfriend ever, first time ever being in love. It was insane. Would this have happened, and I've always wanted to ask you this, you and Vince at 
that time were the perfect marriage. You really were. It was just it, it was just the the right place, everything, the right talent, the right time. Would this have happened? You think if uh, you know Vince didn't have this initial vision to bring in the character of Hulk Hogan as what you became? Well, you know, when I left, you know, the the WWF originally, and I went to work for Vern Gagne, I, I had a great deal in Japan, and I spent weeks and weeks, sometimes 20 weeks a year over in Japan. I loved it over there, and because I actually got to wrestle over there, and I didn't have to do the, the ear thing, and it was just totally different. It was fun for me. It was kind of like how I learned to wrestle. And so, you know, going to Japan was a lot of fun and stuff like that. But I'd always dreamed about being the champion in New York. Yeah. When I was there, when I was there the first time, Bachman was the champion. And even as a bad guy, I kind of like heard how the crowd reacted to me and Andre, you know, from Shea Stadium to oh, the Superdome to not the Silverdome, bro, not the Silverdome, brother, but the <laughs> Superdome for, for, for Bill Watts and working for Mike LaBelle. And I went all over with Andre. And then even in Japan, I was always the heel. And I had that rubber armband on. I don't know if you remember, Bill. I, I had the black rubber armband. Yeah. Blassie would load it with a piece of metal, and then I'd knock Andre out. Oh, you it. finally admit it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. But, but you know, there was always that really great reaction. So I'd always dreamed of, oh, my gosh, if I could. And then then what happened was I went to Minnesota for three years, and, and, I, and I really honed my craft, and Vern Gagne actually taught me how to, start shaking and hulk up and Vern actually taught me that really you know how to, how to come up yeah and he would coach me and no you got to start shaking and once you hulk up if somebody hits you with a lead pipe in the head you act like it doesn't hurt you wow. you know and when they drop kick you you don't go down and when they hit you with four drop kicks you just wobble and he used to piss off all the other wrestlers because Vern <laughs> told me to quit selling and I said guys it's not my it's not me it's Vern Vern's telling me not to do this you know, and it was true. Vern didn't want me to sell, you know, or, or when I did sell, he said, once you go down and sell, sell like you're a hundred pound girl. So you get sympathy. That's why when I did finally go down, I'd crawl around and that building would just start rumbling, brother. It would rumble so loud when I'd start selling that it, it, it got crazy. So when I went back to New York, I'd finally learned my craft. I'd learned how to be Hulk Hogan. I was making all my shirts at the mall. I was, you know, ripping them off when I was up there. So I had it figured out before I came back this time. Okay. And so when I, when I hit the ring against the Iron Sheik, like I said, it took off. And that was the most fun time of all for me in the wrestling business because, like I said, it was the first time. And then the transition into the NWO, I always knew that if they would let me be a bad guy again, now that I had it figured out, I could be the best bad guy ever. The so, dirtiest, nastiest, most evil bad guy. And then when the good guys came at me, I dropped down and begged like the biggest chicken ever, like Ray Stevens, you know. It was perfect. And so, so Yeah, so I, I had a blast, but the first the first run with the Red and Yellow was the most fun. So it's interesting you, you bring up with going back to being a bad guy, and, uh, and I do have a question about that later. But um, going back to the Iron Sheik, I actually was watching that match in preparation for talking to you. Um, and something that I noticed was even though you were the, the probably the biggest baby face of yeah. all time, um, you worked like a heel. You attacked the Iron Sheik before the match. You choked him with his robe. You were raking his eyes. Um, 
And I and I started looking at him, looking at some of these other matches. I'm saying, he kind of always worked like that. He pushed the referee away. There are things like that. And um, was there any was there thought behind that? Because I think that's kind of interesting that you were the biggest fan favorite and the biggest good guy. But when you really kind of break it down, of at least as I've learned wrestling psychology, a lot of the stuff you did was more heelish. Well, he was standing up for the country in that match. Well, of course. Yeah, if, yeah. If, you, if, you follow, if, if, if you follow the storyline, yeah. this was America going to war with Iran. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was me. I was in that war with America fighting for our hostages, and I was going to fight, scratch, and claw, do anything I could to defeat the enemy. And that was just how it was, you know. And so yeah. it worked. You know, yeah. and, and you can and throughout wrestling, if you watch any of the great baby faces, the, the best heels made the, the best baby faces, just like Mad Dog Rashawn. You know, you, you throw him, throw Mad Dog in for a clothesline, put your arm out of clothesline, and first thing you can just bite your forearm, <laughs> you know, and poke you in the eye, you know. I mean, so it just it just worked, and you know, it was just it was just perfect timing. A lot of guys used to tell me when I, I talked about them being a good guy or a bad guy, like we used to say in the uh, magazines, is that they didn't change the way that they worked in the ring. The opponents changed. They started booking them oh, against yeah. bad guys or good guys, whatever. Right, right. But their ring yeah, style and, never I mean, really never really changed. So yeah, and it's just, it works. <laughs> my my favorite Hogan era, as much as I love the red and yellow, when you dropped that leg on Randy Savage and you became Hollywood Hulk Hogan, that was my favorite time of what you did in the in the wrestling business. I never told you that, but uh, um, wow, that was the most amazing. And all the fans that threw all that crap into the ring and everything like that, you started a whole new, like Hulkamania started, you started an entire new era in the wrestling business. Yeah. Well, the, the crazy thing about it was, you know, I had everything from wrestling promoters to, all kind of people tell me that, oh, my God, it's the red and yellow thing. You know, it's had its run. You know, you know you're not drawn anymore. And, and, you know, there's people are starting to boo you and this and that and the other. So, you know, it's like I sat down with Ted Turner, you know, and I wasn't going to wrestle anymore. When I when I walked away from the, the WWF, I went and did Thunder in Paradise for a couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, I cracked that door open and I had like 13 or 14 movies under my belt by then, you know, children's movies. And, you know, I cracked the door, cracked the door open, but the rock kicked it off its hinges, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I, I was just going to go ahead and do my thing and, and just figure, okay, you know, maybe people are tired of seeing the red and yellow guy with a bald head. And, and I was down there filming Thunder in Paradise and brother, I'm telling you, those Baywatch people worked me like a dog. I mean, it was, it was a one-hour show that should have been shot in eight days, and we shot it six days instead of eight days, and we never had a day under 15 hours. Wow, wow. I was living in Orlando. I couldn't even drive an hour to get home to see my wife and kids. They'd have to come see me because I wouldn't get home till midnight, and then I'd have to be in the makeup chair at 5 in the morning. Oh, so I just said, man, you guys got to I was living in the Grand Floridian Hotel, so I just told my wife and kids, you guys just have to come stay with me. I can't even get home. They're working so much. So after... A couple of years of that Thunder and Paradise thing, right on the soundstage next to us was WCW. And all the people would come through Thunder and Paradise, but 
they knew Hulk Hogan was on the lot, and they would walk right by Thunder Paradise, go to the wrestling, and go, where's Hulk Hogan? <laughs> yeah. So I guess Eric Bischoff and Flair got tired of everybody asking them where Hulk Hogan was. So <laughs> they finally this. came over. They came over and asked me if I'd be interested in wrestling, you know. And uh, so I sat down with Eric and, you know, made a deal with him and went back and did that whole red and yellow thing for a little while. And then when it started to get stale after a short while, I sat down with Eric and Ted Turner. I said, look, man, I need to be a bad guy. And I said, this is going to be the greatest thing in the world or my career is going to be over, but I got to take a chance. And, uh, Eric came up with this NWO idea and I wanted to do it by myself. You know, I wanted to be the bad guy by myself. So I've watched so many people like Patterson and Ray Stevens and Gorgeous George and all these people do it, that I thought I could do it by myself. And then when I kind of saw Scott Hall come in the first week, I was like, eh, I don't know. And then I saw Kevin come in with Scott and I went, okay, these guys are onto something. And then by about the third week, I called Eric up and I said, I'm in brother. Let me do my <laughs> thing. Let me be, I don't want to be Hulk Hogan. Let me be Hollywood. Hogan, let me grow the black beard in, you know, do the thing. And I just, and the thing was, when I say the red and yellow was the best because it was the first time, I meant, I meant that. But this this Hollywood Hogan thing blew up so big. You know, it was, a, it was just exciting. It just wasn't my first time around the block. But I was shocked that we were doing these crazy ratings and just slammed everybody in the ratings and this evil, evil, evil group of guys with Hollywood Hogan and his two partners in crime, we were getting cheered out of the building. I mean, people were talking about working like a bad guy. I'd poke some of the eyes and beat him with my late lifting belt, and 20,000 people were cheering. Yep. So it was, it was just crazy. What do you think would have happened uh, to your career had, let's say, the NWA thing never happened and, and you never became a, uh, a heel? What do you, what do you think would have happened? Do you think you would have kind of just wrapped up your in-ring career or do you think the red and yellow would have kind of come back into fashion? Well, I think, you know, I don't think I could have taken the movie TV stuff. You got to be a, a special kind of person to put those hours in and be that dedicated. And the thing was, I just, there's so much downtime on a movie set <clears throat> that you're sitting by yourself for so long in a trailer doing nothing. And then you only, are used a couple hours a day. Like you may have a 14 hour day and then you actually only work for an hour or two. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I just wasn't, I don't think I would have lasted. Now, if I was like the rock and I was making, you know, 20, 30, 40 million bucks of film, I might have lasted make forever. Work, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That might've made a difference. That might've made a difference. But I was just unhappy with the, I was unhappy with the process, you know, mm -hmm. I was doing okay financially. But I was I was unhappy with the process. I just missed wrestling so much. I was dying not being in the wrestling business. I probably would have came back um, either to the WWE or if the Ted Turner opportunity would have been there. I would have came back probably as a red and yellow and shot an angle pretty quickly to turn heel because I always wanted to be Hollywood Hulk Hogan okay. after doing the movies, you know. And I and I really and that character the Hollywood Hogan character would have been around even if it wasn't for the NWO because I was going to go black and silver mm -hmm. instead of black and white like the Oakland Raiders, you know? And that was my whole thing to do the Hollywood Hogan thing as a bad guy because I thought I could really be the best heel ever, you know? When, whenever I think of know, that, whenever I think of that in my head, it resonates. Dun, 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 dun. When you guys came yeah. out with that music, there was just, 
it was like, wow, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. Unpredictable. It was a crazy time, brother. Yeah, it was, it was a great, a crazy, crazy time. time. So a couple of other quick questions before we wrap up here, and, and I can't tell you how flattered I am that you've spent this kind of time with us. Um, I, I was telling Josh about something you told me many, many years ago, and he kind of, his eyes went like, really? I didn't know that. So in an interview I did with you probably, oh, the second year when you were champion, and I was with you in a hotel, I was saying that uh, everybody says that your character, your, you idolize superstar Billy Graham. And I said, I was surprised in the interview, he didn't say superstar Billy Graham. He said Austin Idol. Well, it was it was like a it was like a I don't know how to explain it. When I was a wrestling fan, Dusty Rhodes was our guy here. Oh sure. Um, when he was not on TV, if they, if Eddie Graham left him off TV for a week, we were pissed. I mean, we were waiting to hear my red, yellow, purple, green people, baby. You know, we were waiting to hear those interviews. And I used to skip school and go to the Sportatorium to watch the TV show on Wednesdays. And Tuesday night, I was at the Armory because when Dusty Rhodes would throw a punch or an elbow, it would sound like a cannon going off. Yes. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I was sitting at ringside, and I just started lifting weights. I'd been lifting for a couple of years, and I was starting to. I was, just, I was, just, was in pretty good shape, but I was a musician playing in a band, so I was trying to stay skinny. And I started lifting weights, and I was with the band members. They were all upset because I had all these weights on the truck. We travel from state to state, and I carried around all these weights and work out and stuff. And I was sitting at ringside one night, and out of nowhere comes this guy strutting down the aisle with all this paisley tie-dye stuff on, and he climbed right in front of me. And he stood up on the second turnbuckle, and he hit a double bicep shot. And I looked at him, and I'd never seen another human being that looked like that in my life. And I said, I want to be just like him. And Oliver Humperdinck used to come hear the band play all the time. And we had a kick-ass rock and roll band when I finally came back to Florida, and I was playing with the right group. And all of a sudden, the wrestlers started coming in. Bob Orton would come in. Bob Roop would come in, you know, all of a sudden Dusty Rhodes would come in, and there was superstar Billy Graham coming in with Oliver Humperdinck and Steve Strong. I don't know if you remember him. Bill. Of course, very well. Yeah, but all these guys would come in to hear the band, and then we'd play in Tampa. Then the next week, we'd be playing in St. Pete, and all the wrestlers would come to where we were playing there. And they, the wrestlers kind of started following us around. So I just remember a couple times I would meet uh, Oliver Humperdinck when I became friends with him. I would meet Oliver Humperdinck at the uh, Sportatorium, and I would ride in the car with him and Billy Graham and Steve Strong to the Bayfront Arena. And can you imagine this mark, this kid that's just, I can't even believe they let me in the car with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And I rode in the car with him. This was like unheard of back then. They should have dug a hole and buried my body somewhere. That's what you, they should have done with me, but they actually let me ride in the car with him. And I was hooked. They didn't talk any wrestling business, though. No, no kayfabe stuff, no nothing. They were really protecting the business. But just to get a chance to ride with them, I think they were letting me ride with them because of all the girls that I had following the band around. I think there was something else there. I never really figured it out. <laughs> but, but, you know, I became enamored with uh, Billy Graham and uh, Steve Strong. And then when I went to work in Pensacola, when I first went to work for the Fullers, 
Austin Idol was there. Right. And he used to be he used to be a friend he used to be a friend of my brother's before my brother passed away. And his name was Mike McCord. Before he was in the wrestling business, sure. he was a big weightlifter. And he was a friend of my brother's. And I knew him when I was a kid. And then to and he was really nice to me because, you know, he knew my brother real well. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to work in Pensacola with him, I'm I've watched him and he had the gimmick down, brother. And he was the first one I heard say Idol Mania. So oh, guess what I did? Guess what I did? Yeah. Guess who was the first? Guess who was the first one I saw do the ear? Really? Austin Idol. That's I remember I you Austin. telling me this. Yeah. And so I kind of watched him work, and I said, "Okay, I get it." Billy Graham, Austin Idol, Dusty Rhodes. Okay, I got this. I got this. I can figure this one out. So I kind of took a little bit of the hot sauce from each one of those guys. You know, yeah. when I go down and sell, and that one that one finger would come up, brother. You know, when I'm selling, that one finger starts yeah. shaking. That's Dusty Rhodes all day long. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So how do you... So so you, mar- you married yeah. them You married them together perfectly. Yeah, and you, you, really in, did. you created a character that was unique into itself. Um, do you have... This was a question we had, and this segues in beautifully to it. Uh, what advice would you give the next generation of wrestlers uh, as to how they can be influenced by a Hulk Hogan or an Austin or Cena yet make something original? Because you're talking about all these things that, you know, the, the ear, the, you know, the posing, um, the Hulkamania, even where that came from, which I never knew before. Um, how can they take something from, from all of you and make it original? Do you have any advice? Well, you know, a lot of it is style. You know, first off, I just would, I want to do what got over. I didn't care if Billy Robinson was the greatest wrestler that I'd, I'd, I'd ever seen in the AWA, with mm-hmm. all due respect. You know, it was like a funeral when he'd wrestle. You know, mm-hmm. he'd go take people down and he'd put a top wrist lock on them, break their knee down, twist their ankle, cross face them, put their head up their rear end, and the crowd was going to get popcorn, you know. So I would, I would just look for things that got reactions, you know, and learn how to modify it to fit your character. And you just can't blatantly, you know, um, steal something like the John Cena. You can't see me. You can't right, just blatantly right. take that, you know, and, but there's ways around it. And find the stuff that gets the reactions, kind of mold it around and disguise it so it becomes your own, you know, without losing the character of that move. You got to keep, you you keep that move in character so it still gets a reaction. But you can mold it around and make it your own. But even more than that, before you even get there, you need to have your own base first, whether it's your presence in the ring, whether it's your look, whether, whether if you've got everything going or, or you know, you got to have, I see so many independent wrestlers that if I just gave them a little bit of, a little bit of Seth Rollins, if I gave them a little bit of gold dust, if I gave them just a little bit of Vince McMahon, hmm. I think they'd be superstars, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't let them, you know, steal Roman Reigns and stuff, you know, perfectly. I do the spear a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I do the Superman punch a little bit different. You know, I do the Vince McMahon walk to the ring a little bit different. And there's ways to take things and learn from people, but make sure you pick things that get reactions that work. So you're not out there fishing around and then embody that with your own soul and being in your own presence. And it's, you, know, so you got a, a success for, I mean, you got a, a, a potion for success there you know it's 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 hard it's hard to miss you know when you use things at work do you do you know 
Here's a good trivia question. Do you know where that Vince walk came from? I have no idea, but it's the craziest shit I've ever seen. I'm going to tell you what I heard. I heard that Vince was the biggest fan in the world of Dr. Jerry Graham, and that's the walk that Dr. Jerry Graham used to come to the ring. Yeah. Yeah, a little trivia there. I'll tell you what. That Conor McGregor walks a little crazy, too, bro. Yeah, he does. He does. But it works. But it works. Um, I have two more questions for you here. Um, Sure. Uh, one of them is, you know, you mentioned before about the red and yellow, and then you mentioned about how you, uh, you wanted to go to black and silver, but you ended up, of course, black and white. Um, but some of the iconic stuff that you had in your look, the red and yellow, of course, later on was the, the lightning on the tights, and then the, uh, and then the tie-dye, um, as well as, of course, with the ripped shirt and having those, like, three or four rips on the back. Um, can you kind of just explain where all of these, in a nutshell, where all of these different iconic looks came from? Well, the one thing I would remember as much as Dusty Rhodes' elbows or, the you know, Dusty Rhodes taking out Malenko's false teeth and the Tampa Army <laughs> yes. stomping on his teeth. I remember that. And Malenko going, these are the teeth of a human destruction machine, Dusty Rhodes, you know, just stuff that I remember like that, like it's ingrained in my head yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, Malenko did an interview one time. He goes, hickory, dickory, doc. The clock strikes 8.30 and Dusty Rhodes began to worry. I mean, just weird stuff that I, I remember, remember as this. a kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and just stuff that if you're a real wrestling fan and you love this stuff as much as I do, it'll never leave you. The one thing that used to blow my mind I could not forget was Randy Savage's dad, Angelo Poffo, yeah. coming out to the Tampa Armory with that damn tan that he had with those canary yellow trunks. Yep. Hmm. And I said, that's it. Those are the, I tried the red, I tried the turquoise blue, I tried the white, I tried everything. And when I put on those damn canary yellow trunks with a Florida tan, brother, that was game over. That was it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The tie-dye tights, the long tights were... Once I started having knee surgeries and stuff, you know, I was having problems with my knees. Right. Yeah, I just, I, that was a tribute to like Jesse Ventura, who hates my guts, and <laughs> Billy Graham, you know, because they both wore the tie dye tights, right. and I kind of liked the long tights, you know, a little bit. So I was just switching the red and yellow thing up a little bit. But the black and silver, that was, I mean, the black and white, that was, that whole NWO thing had been in my head forever to do that. <clears throat> the bad guy Hollywood character, but instead of the black and silver, I want a black and white. And the, just... and the lightning, was that kind of just because it looked cool? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just had an airbrush <laughs> guy that used to go crazy. <laughs> what about the stuff. rips on the back of the shirt? Because everyone knows you that's rip the shirt my... off, but. Yeah, that's something. Well, you know what? Oh, my God. I was in a six-man tag in the Rosemont Horizon. And the place was sold out, of course, brother, which it was. Always. And it was me. It was me, Greg Gagne, and Jim Brunzel in AWA. The High Flyers. Against Sheik, Sheik Adnan L. Casey, Sheik Jerry Blackwell, and um, the Iron Sheik. Who was the Iron Sheik? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, it was. There were three Sheiks against us three. And uh, that night when I was in the ring, I had a shirt made up, you know, that said Hulkamania on it and Python Power on the back at the local mall there. And in the middle of the ring, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel came up to me and ripped my shirt off. Just ripped it off me. And I was in crazy shape back then when I was a lot younger. And the crowd went nuts. And I went, okay, that worked. <clears throat> and I didn't even know they were going to do it. So then I just started ripping my shirt off after that. Yeah. Huh. You know, but the, but the cuts in the back, 
um, were my, my ex-wife, I used to buy like the smaller shirts, the bigger I looked, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of buying an extra large shirt, I'd like to buy a medium shirt and there's no way I could fit in it. Huh. And so I would cut the sleeves off. So it'd make me look just huge. And then because I didn't want to look like an idiot, some of the shirts are hard to rip. I'd always just rip the, put a little teeny cut in the neckline, you know, so mm-hmm. it would tear evenly when I went to pull it. Cause sometimes you go to rip a shirt and you just can't do it. And you look like an idiot, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I would, I would, I'd cut a little teeny rip in the front. And then my ex-wife goes, that shirt looks horrible on you. It's so tight. Is that a small? I go, no, it's a medium. Come on. You know? And so she goes, well, let me make it a little better for you. So she cut the three little um, cuts in the back, which actually gave me room to breathe and open the shirt up a little more. Wow. So that's where all that stuff started. That's crazy. You, you did and a, it became uh, so iconic. You, you, you did a, uh, a great Boris Malenko. Uh, do you do any other? You know, I do you and I do a lot of other imitations. You do a Randy Savage, don't you? I do the best macho man Randy Savage in the world. I spent night and day with him forever. I know you did. I was with the two of I'm you many, so, many times. I'm just, I'm just so glad before he passed away, we, we got to get on the same page again. Yeah. But, uh, and by the way, that's another thing I want to thank you for being the person who uh, made peace with he and I when there was an incident about a story in the magazine that he wasn't uh, crazy about, and he got very, very angry at me. You were the one who smoothed that over, and thank you. So would you mind doing a little uh, of your... Randy Savage, tonight, it's you against Hulk Hogan at Madison Square Garden. Texas Deathmatch, what's going to happen? Oh, yeah, dig it, Bill. After what you know, brother, macho man Randy Savage... Set an example that Hollywood Hulk Hogan only dreams about. You know, he has lust in his eyes for Miss Elizabeth. He walked the walk on the wild side with the macho man Randy Savage. But at the end of the day, the macho man, only a cup of coffee in time. Hulk Hogan will never beat the macho man. Oh, yeah. Dig it, brother. Well, you know something, macho man. All the maniacs out there, man, are coming in. See, I got you there. You got it. That's great. That man. was in- incredible. But you know, I'm I'm known for my dusty. Do you also do a dusty? Yeah, he's done a little bit here. Yeah, I do a little dusty. Let me hear your dusty. Come on. Okay, all right. You see, all my little babies, my white babies, Chinese babies, little black babies, walking down Broadway and boogieing with superstar Billy Graham and the American dream, if you will. Not bad? Dust the rolls, baby. I can't do it. You, oh. <laughs> you got me. Um, my one last question uh, is about, um, I've always been a big fan of, of the belts, and, and obviously I asked you a lot of stuff about your gear and stuff, but... Um, you held so many different championship belts. A lot of people, I would say, who grew up in the 80s and 90s like I did uh, would associate the what they call the Winged Eagle WWF championship belt with you. Uh, what was your favorite belt of all, the, of all the championship belts you had? It was that one, brother. It was yeah. the Winged Eagle. That Just was my most favorite belt. Just I love that belt. Just what you awesome. Thought. So there, um, yeah. my last question here. People always said, hey, this guy is going to be the next Hulk Hogan, Lex Luger, Sid. Who Did you ever have for your eyes on someone you said that if anything ever happens with you and the company, this guy is the next Hulk Hogan? 
No. Uh-uh. Okay. You know, I was uh, I was a big fan of Sid's. You know, mm-hmm. because he was just so believable. Um, Lex, uh, great guy. You know, great body. He broke in with Matt Suda, so I got a ton of respect because I know what he went through. Believe me. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't you don't get through Matt Suda's unless you love this business. Oh, I know. You're sick in the head because. It was, I don't know who was worse, Vern or Matsuda, but, you know, Matsuda had a mean streak in him. I love him to death. We became good friends, you know, and went to Japan many, many, many times together. But um, breaking in with him, it was it was just, you had to be, a, it was sadistic. You had to be a sadist to did survive. He, did he break brutal. your leg? The, the, there's, the, the, the story is that he broke your leg yeah. and then you came back. Yeah, he yeah, they, the thing was, I was playing in a rock and roll band, and I had really long blonde hair, and I made this huge mistake. Now, think about this. This is the late 70s, like 1975 or 76, small town run by Eddie Graham. And if you asked if, you asked if wrestling was fake, you had the artistic liberty to punch fans in the face. Oh, yeah. No lawsuits, no yeah. lawsuits, no lawyers. Yeah. If you walked up to a wrestler and said wrestling is fake, they would knock you out straight up around here. I know. And I made the huge mistake about 1976. I quit playing music. I went and I I was hanging around the wrestling matches so the wrestlers would see me with my sleeves rolled up because I just started working out. I thought I was big. (laughs) And I'd roll with the sleeves. I made the huge mistake. And I went to high school with Eddie Graham. I mean, with Mike Graham and Kern. Everybody knew me. I made the huge mistake of telling everybody I was going to be a wrestler. And I don't know if this figured into the equation or not. But one night when I took Humperdinck back to his car and superstar Billy Graham and these guys were going in this bar and I gave Humperdinck a ride back, I told Humperdinck that, hey, man, I'm going to get in this business and I'm going to be the greatest wrestler this business has ever seen. I told him that. And I don't know if that came back to haunt me or not, but I told him when I was still a mark and never had been in the ring that I was going to be the greatest wrestler there ever was. And then I went all over Tampa telling everybody I was going to be a wrestler, which is the biggest mistake you could ever make was to make an announcement that you're going to be a professional wrestler. So I went down to the sportatorium. Mike Graham set me up with a workout with Matt Suda. I went down to the sportatorium. They exercised me till you know, when you're getting ready to faint, everything kind of turns white, you know, mm-hmm. and you kind of get glazed over like when you're, when you're out of breath or, I don't know if you've ever fainted, but right before you faint, everything kind of like turns white. Well, they exercised me until I couldn't even walk anymore. And I was getting ready to faint. And they said, get in the ring. I climbed in the ring. Matt Suda got in the ring, took me down. He sat between my legs like I was sitting behind him. He got between my legs with his back to my chest. And he put his elbow in my shin. He grabbed my toe and he just popped my leg and pulled my toe and just, oh, you know, he he, he he put his elbow in my shin and kind of like used it for leverage and just grabbed the end of my foot and just snapped my leg in half. Oh, <laughs> so that was that that's that's a little different than going to the performance center. Yeah, oh right? yeah, I mean, to, today today one of the uh, trainees there would pull out their phone, call nine one one. You'd have uh, be all over the internet. You'd be everything. That's it. You're gone. You're out. Well, at the time I had a, at the at the time I had a Ford Econoline van that had a clutch in it. <laughs> so I had to call my call. So I had to call my father up, who was a uh, construction worker, and I was supposed to be going to the University of South Florida to be getting a degree in finance and management. And I had quit college, probably 
a couple months before so I could dedicate myself to training to be a wrestler, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, he found out about that and he, and he saw the broken leg and I've never seen my father so upset in his life to work his ass off in the sun his whole life just to pay for his son to go to college. And he was so disappointed in me because I quit college and now I got a broken leg. And why would you ever let those people hurt you? Aren't you man enough to stick up for yourself? So I heard all that. And then I never won my father back over until January 23rd, 1984 in Madison Square Garden when I wrestled the Iron Sheik. My father hated wrestling. My first run in New York, how could you give up your college education to do this? You're, you're a disappointment to me and, and our family. Wow. All through my first run in New York, I was like the disgraced black duck, AWA wrestling. My dad wouldn't even talk to me. But on January 23rd, 1984, when I won the title from the Iron Sheik, my dad was so proud. I don't know if you remember, Bill. My dad and my mother were there. Oh, but of course. I, when of course I, I remember when that. I, when I beat when I beat the Iron Sheik, my father was so proud. All he did from that day forward was brag about his son. So I won him back on that day. That's the awesome. times I called your house before you won the title, uh, your dad would pick up the phone sometimes, and I'd say, it's uh, Bill After from uh, the Wrestling Magazine. He'd say, hold on, and he'd call, Ruth, talk to the guy from the Wrestling Magazine. <laughs> After you won the title, he couldn't stop talking to me. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it, it it's helps. Story. It fixed a lot. Of, it fixed a lot of stuff, brother. Because it was tough, man. You know, cause, yeah. Because I felt horrible because he'd worked his whole life out in the sun digging ditches to put me through college, and I just quit. You know, but uh, look, look, it all what worked you, out look what you end. became. Yeah, look <laughs> what you sure. became. Before we let you go, what would you like to say to all the people that have been uh, listening to uh, our after chat here? Well, the first thing I'd like to do is thank everybody for the opportunity to make this my life. Um, I just want to thank the loyal fans that have stuck with me through thick and thin because it's been a wild ride. There's been a lot of good times. There's been a lot of rough times, but the fans have been so loyal to me. It's just amazing. I just can't thank you guys enough for, being on Team Hogan, believing in me, loving me because I love you guys. And um, I'm just so glad to be back in the wrestling business because this is my life. And to those of you who, you know, know me and, and know who I am, I appreciate you more than ever. And for those fans that don't understand me or don't know me, I work. I look forward to work working really hard to earn your love and respect. And I promise everybody um, – I won't let them down. I've, I've just uh, got back on my feet here. I'm so excited to be in the Hall of Fame and just looking forward to great things. But I truly love you guys, and, and thank you guys so much for sticking with me. And those of you guys that are new on the team, thanks for the, the second opportunity to, to win your uh, fanship and love and, and respect again. So I, I just am so happy right now, Bill. Thank you guys so much. Quite amazing. You learned a lot of stuff. And like I said, I did too. There, there were some things I didn't know, first of all, about what his favorite belt was. But Austin Idol. Yeah. Yeah, he told me that a long time ago in right. an interview because everybody thought it was superstar Billy Graham. But just how candid he was about riding in the cars with uh, Humperdinck and, and superstar Billy Graham and just 
uh, the whole red and yellow and the, the dark side with the NWO, absolutely just things that the fans needed to know and they could only hear it here on the After Chat. Yeah, and if you're looking for part three of the Hulk Hogan interview, well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. What is that? There is no part three. That, oh, that was the okay. bad news. But that is a perfect segue into... Uh, assignment of my own that I was sent on by you, oh, Bill, yeah, today. Oh, yeah, yeah. I called you a few days ago, and uh, we had been talking to the publicist, a lovely lady named uh, Susan Engel, mm-hmm. uh, who is handling a, uh, a movie that just recently opened. Called I Am Vengeance. Yes. And you yeah, are so, Vengeance? Uh, I'm not, but you can be if you'd like to. Uh, so I Am Vengeance is a movie that uh, just came out as we... As you're hearing this, this airs on a Friday. Uh, the premiere was last night in Manhattan. And uh, we actually sent a couple lucky after chatters to that premiere, which had a Q&A with the star, Stu Bennett, uh, known to the wrestling world as Wade Barrett or Bad News Barrett, tying back to my silly little joke that I had earlier. Well, Stu and I go back about 11 years, and uh, Bill said, hey, Josh, would you like to maybe chat with him and, and see if we could uh, talk to him a little bit about his movie. And that is exactly what I did. So ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, my interview with Stu Bennett. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined now by the star of I Am Vengeance, new movie coming out. Uh, you'll be able to get it digitally today, Friday, as you're hearing this. Uh, Stu Bennett, thank you for joining us. No, my pleasure to be on, Josh. And uh, I'm in esteemed company with Hulk Hogan. That's pretty huge. Well, we, we figured, <laughs> figured it was a big show, and we had to uh, had to bring out all the big guns. So, nope, got you on there here. There we go. Thank you, thank you very much for having me on, and congrats on the new uh, the new podcast. Dude. Oh, awesome. thank you very much. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you a question right off the bat. You and I have known each other for I think around 11 years at this point, believe it or not, and uh, going back to the OVW days. Um, I know that I have gone through a couple of name changes since then. Um, what is it like for you to be using your real name? It's pretty nice, actually. Um, it, it always takes a while getting used to a new name. I remember when I became Wade for the first time, and it probably took three or four weeks to get used to people calling me Wade. <laughs> and then I became Bad News, and then I became King. So I've had plenty over the years. It's nice to actually own my name. Right. Probably. So uh, it's nice now that I'm acting and stuff like that. I'm always using my own my own name so any other ventures that i go off into in the future i can always use my own name which was always a thing whenever i was wade barrett or king barrett or whatever i was i always knew in the back of my head like whatever i do after this i can't rely on having this name that i'm building up at the moment so it's nice to actually have my own name and and have ownership of that so to speak yeah no i i would think that's a little bit refreshing um i still have you in my phone as Stu sanders um so that's (laughs) that's how far back we go uh for anyone who knows your go. career there. Um, before we get into I want to talk about World of Sport and everything that you're doing with that. But before we get into it, you know, the real reason uh, that I have you here today is to talk about I Am Vengeance. Uh, it's a uh, the, the tagline that I was given here is the the it's an action thriller. Uh, you play John Gold, an ex-Special Forces officer turned hired mercenary who discovers a dark military conspiracy while investigating the murder of his best friend. So, yeah, you can't really beat that. That sounds that sounds exciting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, this was the first big thing that I did post 
WWE. So I left WWE in, I think it was about April 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started shooting this in August of 2016. So it's been in the can for a couple of years now, getting edited and, and getting packages and stuff like that. So right. I'm really excited for it to finally be out there. And I know people who followed me on social media and stuff have, have seen pictures of me on the set when I was filming mm-hmm. and, you know, hyping up um, various bits and bobs and, and premieres and things like that. So it's nice for it finally to be out there now and, and people can go out there and, and download it and stuff and, and check it out and see what I've been up to. So it's a new direction for me, something I've really enjoyed. I did a little bit of acting while I was with WWE with a couple of their films, Dead right. Man Down and Eliminators, which were through WWE Studio. So that really gave me a taste for acting. And, and this is my first one where I'm actually the lead character and lead actor in the film so it's a big step for me and, and one that I'm, I'm pretty excited to be out there in the world now and, and allow the audience to check it out so as far as this opportunity and casting um did you audition for this did they come to you were you still with wwe when this was originally when this came together for you to have this role so i see the the second film i did with wwe studios was the film called eliminators we actually shot that one in london in 2015 okay um, we used the same studios in london that evolutionary films who who i made vengeance with they actually use the same studios and um i guess the director a guy called ross boyask um, he'd heard some good reports of my acting on, on the set of Eliminators and we just so happened to cross paths in the parking lot of uh, Three Mills, which is the studios where we were based in oh, London. Wow. And we crossed paths. He came over to me and, and introduced himself, said he heard good things about me and gave me a script of, of something he was working on called, called I Am Vengeance. So uh, he told me to have a look and we kind of stayed in touch from there and we you know, got to know each other a little bit and, and chat about our ideas for the film and stuff. And he ended up going to his company that he worked for, um, Evolutionary Films, and kind of packaging the film around me for funding and things. And we took it from there. So it was great that I didn't have to audition for that one. I, I kind of got it handed to me. Um, but then it was a big step for me because, like I say, first lead role and, and a lot of responsibility and that sort of thing. So uh, I ended up having a great relationship with Evolutionary Films anyway, and I think that's going to continue into the future. So when you say cross paths, was he just kind of hiding behind a dumpster waiting for you to come out of the building? Was that kind of just it almost with, <laughs> it with script in hand, that. ready to? Funnily enough, the uh, the guy they had as my stunt double on Eliminators, which was the the WWE film that I did, um, they had a guy as my stunt double. Well, I guess he was very good friends with Ross, and he he let him know, hey, Stu's going to be around tomorrow on on the uh, on site anyway. So. Uh, I guess Ross came over then and uh, brought the script with him. And he said he'd been looking for a while for somebody with my kind of background. And, and by that, I mean kind of an athletic guy who's moving maybe from like sporting, the sporting world or something like mm-hmm. that and looking to get into more movies. He said he was looking for somebody and he thought I fit the, perf- the profile perfectly for it in terms of my athleticism, my background and stuff. And he'd seen me presenting. He, he was a wrestling fan, so he was aware that, I was a pretty good talker and I kind of built my career on talking as much as I had wrestling. Right. So he was aware of how, how I presented myself. And um, once he'd heard reports of me kind of on set of eliminators doing what I was doing, um, I think he felt pretty confident to, to kind of take the next step and start talking to me about his film. So you had a, a stunt double. Uh, was that kind of a coming from the world of wrestling? Was that almost like a weird thing like okay hey now we've got another guy who's going to take some bumps and bruises for you you know what i i wish it worked out that way they genuinely got the stunt double guy great guy really nice bloke 
he didn't do a single thing. I literally did everything. And there was a couple of times I was actually saying to the director, hey, you know, this, this one here, can we get the stunt double? He's like, no, I really want to get your face in there. So you're going to have to do this yourself. So next day, same day, that guy got paid to do nothing. That, oh, entire, that entire shoot, it was hilarious. So I think that's part of the problem with being a, uh, a wrestler is they don't look this. They kind of do this anyway. So yeah, we can throw them off something. Things. That's fine. Any, that's it. Any anytime you use a stunt double in a film, you can't show their face, obviously, because you know as much sure. as a guy might look similar to to me physically, you know, once you get the face on there, it kind of ruins the shot. So yeah. uh, if things are always better if, if I'm getting thrown through something, <laughs> you can see my face. So literally, the whole he didn't do a single thing. I mean, I don't know how much they were paying him, but he, he got paid to basically stand around and drink coffee. So that was a pretty good, good pretty good job for him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's not bad. Exactly. So the, so the movie, so I, we had a, uh, on social media, we did a, a giveaway. So as uh, people are hearing this, uh, a number of fans have been able to enjoy your premiere, which uh, is, is this Thursday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Uh, people are hearing this on a Friday. But Thursday, there's a, a premiere where you'll be doing a Q&A. Um, obviously, we don't really need to get into that and promote it since it's already happened. Um, but what's, what's the whole, where can people see this film because it's not as traditional of a release uh, at least here in the united states so but we have a ton of fans in the uk so tell tell me where in the world everybody can see this you know i think probably the best thing to do is to go onto my twitter account i'll have all the info on there with regards to where you can download it from it's a, it's a digital release out here and i know with regards to that places like itunes and, and various other places but i'm gonna have a link on my twitter account which is at Stu bennett s-t-u-b-e-n-n-e-t-t uh, and i'll have that as kind of my pin tweet up there so everyone knows where they can go to to kind of download it and all that sort of stuff um the weird thing that we're doing with this film is because it's being released in different regions in a staggered way um so the u.s release is actually coming about a month before the british release um we're gonna have a bunch of different links where people need to kind of go to download it from and that sort of stuff so um okay. yeah the easiest way to do it just go to my twitter account and i promise you all the info will be on there all right and again that's at Stu bennett uh let's talk for a minute if we can about some stuff you're still doing in the wrestling business uh world of sport wrestling can you tell us a little bit about your involvement how this came to be uh people in the united states are possibly not as familiar with how huge world of sport is or, or was rather and, and is once again in the UK? Yeah, so I'm certainly not done with the wrestling world. And uh, I think it's been a passion of mine since I was about eight or nine years old through being a massive fan and then ultimately deciding in my early 20s, well, I want to be a wrestler and training and wrestling around the UK and then wrestling around the US and the, and the world and stuff. So the fact that I've left WWE doesn't mean my involvement in the wrestling world has ended. And um, I was very fortunate a few months back to get a call from a company called ITV in the UK, which is basically the second biggest uh, TV network in the UK after BBC, which I think most Americans have probably heard of. Sure. Um, the next biggest in the UK is, is ITV, and it's absolutely massive. It's available in about 60 million, of, 60 million people in the UK have access to it, when, which when you consider how big the UK is, that's pretty much everyone in the UK has access to this TV channel. So it's huge. Uh, and they decided a few months ago to bring back something called World of Sport or WOS, as we're calling it these days, um, which when you go back in time, you look at the, the 60s, the 70s and the 80s, um, British wrestling was the biggest wrestling on the planet. This was before your likes of WWE and uh, 
even the, the biggest kind of Mexican and Japanese promotions, the mm. biggest wrestling on the planet was in the UK, which is where we had stars like Mick McManus and Jackie Palo and Jim Brakes. And probably the biggest name of them all at the time was uh, a guy called Big Daddy, who was the sure. British version of Hulk Hogan. It's probably the, the easiest way to put it. So if you know your wrestling history, uh, Britain had this amazing kind of amazing scene going on back then. And then in the, Kind of in the late 80s, early 90s, it crashed and went through the floor. And that's when, you know, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior and Bret Hart and all those guys suddenly took the mantle and American wrestling became the huge thing in the UK, which is kind of when I became a fan was when that was taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, British wrestling was in the doldrums for years and years after that. And then, you know, nothing was really happening. And really over kind of the last five years, the indie scene in the UK has grown massively. I'm sure if you're a kind of hardcore wrestling fan, you'll you'll know of all the amazing stuff that's been going on in the UK. And I think ITV, this massive network with, you know, billions behind them decided now was the time to give uh, British wrestling another shot, another shot of that mainstream expo- exposure in the UK. So um, they designed the show and, and got a load of the top names from the British wrestling scene. Um, it's on at a mainstream time, which is 5 PM on Saturdays on, on ITV. And, uh, you know, they decided to get me involved too. And I'm the, executive which is effectively the gm of the show um mm-hmm. and i'm also the color commentator on there which is something else i really enjoy doing so it's great to be back involved in the wrestling world in such a high profile show and uh what are the chances that we're going to see you in the ring on that show you know they're definitely uh there or thereabouts i was aware of how good um, the wrestling scene was in the UK, especially versus when I was wrestling out there. If you look mm-hmm. at the early 2000s when I started off in the UK, the standard was absolutely terrible. And I only really got a chance to, to actually improve once I got to uh, Louisville with OVW, which is where I met yourself. And mm-hmm. I finally got working with people who were a lot better and, and were able to kind of help me step my game up. But in the UK at the time, it was it was a really, really bad scene. So um, it's great for me to go back to the UK and see how strong everybody is out there now and how high the standard is. And even though on WOS I was in a kind of a, a talking role and presenting kind of role, I can't help but look at the guys that they've got in the ring there. Uh, people like Joe Hendry, uh, Martin Kirby, Rampage, uh, Nathan Cruz, a bunch of these guys that I've been blown away how good they are. I can't help but look at them and think to myself, how would I approach a match with that guy and, and this guy and you know what nice. can i do there so this definitely got the creative juices flowing and uh you know at some point i'm i'm gonna be back in the ring i'm not sure when it's gonna be but uh quite possibly it might be in wos well and, and until then uh i just heard today the breaking news i am vengeance 2 is happening there we go. It's yeah. been uh, it's been pretty cool that we've we've kind of been greenlit for that already. Yeah. Um, the amazing thing has been that the way that independent films work is that they are packaged by the the company that makes them, which in this case is called Evolution Films, and they then sell it to distributors around the world. So the North American region, uh, a company called Saban Films. Um, have, have bought it and are promoting it out there. The UK region is a, a different distributor. You know, even in uh, Japan, they had a distributor who bought mm. it. Um, uh, Australia. So all around the world, it's been bought by these individuals who will promote it and sell it in their region. Based on the success that we've had through those sales, um, we've already uh, been greenlit for the sequel. It's had investment and funding already uh, clear for that. So I'm going to be over in London in probably late September, I think, shooting the sequel. So Vengeance 2 is already coming 
um, despite the fact we're kind of early in the process in uh, in releasing Vengeance 1 at this point. So it's really cool, really exciting for me to be kind of tagged onto part of a franchise also. Yeah, and we don't want it to be a spoiler, so maybe maybe people, it's a prequel. Who even knows, right? You're at the, I mean, anything can happen in, in the first I Am Vengeance, so we don't, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're not giving anything away yet, and uh, and like I say, even the the script itself, we're uh, we're making some tweaks to the um, to the Iron Vengeance two script as we speak. Um, but we're, I'm very excited to get it out there. I can't really reveal what direction this is going in because I don't want to give away anything from the first movie. The uh, the Iron Vengeance just come out, but um, yeah, it's very exciting for me to, uh, to to get this success so early and and have this sequel already kind of in the um in the bank that we're about to move on to well it couldn't happen to a nicer guy uh thank you so much Stu, for coming on here and talking to me i wish you nothing but the best and uh i look forward to having you back on here for a longer interview and and uh dive into your career a little bit more and uh, maybe tell some fun stories from fourth street and uh you know just have a good time <laughs> kayfabe man yeah right <laughs> yeah th- thank you very much josh i appreciate you having me on the show and uh allow me to talk about I Am Vengeance. And, uh, yeah, definitely I'll be back on soon. I'd love to uh, come back on for a longer talk at some point. And, like I say, very best of luck with your new podcast. I, uh, I appreciate you having me on. All right, well, thanks again to Stu Bennett. Wait, for... wait, I know him as Wade Barrett. Well, I've, if I may say so myself, I've known him a little longer than you've known him. You have. Thank you very much. Uh, so I'm afraid I've got some bad news. If well, I he can gave make you that good news about his uh, his movie. However, I miss that character. I really do. Yeah, I miss that character too. But you know what? He's busy becoming a pretty big movie star, and our hats off to him. Uh, it was great to talk to him. Uh, wait a minute. He mentioned our, our head- Wait a minute. Our headphones off to him. We're not wearing hats. Maybe you should. I'm sorry, that was no. disrespectful. Respect the comb over. That was disrespectful of the comb over. Respect the comb over. You know what? I should respect the comb over, and you can too. If you go to theafterchat.com, you can buy all the merch, as we talked about last week. Bill does not like that word merchandise. He absolutely despises <clears throat> it, but he loves the word merch. And you will love the merch that we have for you. We have the Afterchat logo t-shirt. We have our number one, still our number one top seller, the, the Respect the Comb Over shirt. Uh, which Bill has been wearing every single day since it first came out. He will not take it off. I received a phone call from his wife asking me if I could talk to him, but Bill refuses to take that shirt off. Uh, We also have his wrestling fixed. I didn't know it was broken. We have the shirt and we have the book, Is Wrestling Fixed? I Didn't Know It Was Broken by Bill Apter. Both of those you can find at theafterchat.com. And if you want to feel like a champion in your workplace, you can wear the Championship Office Wrestling T-shirt. It has a little tie, has a little pocket, and a little pen in there in case you need to uh, take some notes down for your own magazine. Theafterchat.com is where it's at. You don't kayfabe that. I won't. Speaking of kayfabe... Yes. By the way, who is one of the most unusual characters, split personality characters, you have ever seen in your life? And hint, he was with... TNA and Impact Wrestling. I didn't know you were with TNA and Impact Wrestling. No, not me. Oh, oh, oh I got oh split personality. I like that. <laughs> uh, I would have to go with the Monster Abyss and Joseph Park. But I don't understand why you're saying split personality. That's his brother. Well, it is his brother, or is it not his brother? 
Oh, I, well, he said Have you seen the brother, two of them so together? Oh, I haven't necessarily seen the two of them together, but I, how many people listening to this have seen me and my brother together? Your brother Fred, the yeah, author. The author yeah. of the Atlantic Island series. Well, I don't know how many people have seen me and my brother Paul together. I, I, I have Well, let's kayfabe this thing and talk about a kayfabe event. And that event, of course, is starring Joseph Park and his brother, Abyss. And I want to see them together, by the way. On September 1st, 2018, Kayfabe Events. By the way, this is the same company that is bringing me to England to do my one-man show the week before American Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and details of Kayfabe Events um, on, uh, on Facebook, and uh, you can follow them on Twitter. But uh, an evening with the former NWA TNA World Heavyweight Champion, the Monster Abyss, and his brother, Joseph Park. Uh, Dean A.S. will be handling the uh, Q&A orchestrated by uh, uh, the King of Strong and Stable Style, Spike Trivet, and special guest, the King of Goths. Do you know who that is? The King of Goths? Yeah, he's the 2017 CZW Combat Zone Wrestling Tournament to Death winner and longest ever reigning progress world champion. You must be talking about Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc, yeah. So tickets are available, mate, at kayfabeevents.com. Follow them on Twitter at Kayfabe Events. And you can also find out more about seeing my one-man show that will be in two nights. Not two nights upcoming right now, but it, I will be performing it two different nights in London and Brighton slash Hub. All the information is at Kayfabe Events on Twitter. And I want to thank, uh, thank them for being one of our sponsors yes, as well. Thank yeah. you. Kayfabeevents.com. Yes. All right, let's move on here. What have you got next on our uh, Podwave menu, Joshua? From from our uh, from the plug of your one man show back to our two man show. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for uh, I think it's time for Ask Aptor. All right, Bill. Our first question comes well, from. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me stand up because I when when I speak, people who see me at my one man show and my Q and As. I like to work the room. So Aptor chatters out right. there. I'm working the room. Respectfully, sir, it is uh, just me in here, and I, I you, please don't feel obligated to work the room. No, no, I want to work the room. It's my. It, it, it's good to imagine. Okay. Yeah. I, it's you know what? It might be good to imagine, but at times it's horrifying to live through. All right. First uh, question. I don't here. know what that means, but ask after. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. Ask after. Uh, keep that tie tightened. Um, the first question comes from Jeff Robinson. Wait a minute. What does that mean? Keep the tie tightened. It means don't take your tie off. I wasn't planning to. You were getting a little too comfortable. No, but I, I always present myself with a tie. Please don't okay. present yourself with or without. Okay. Uh, questions about my tie? Questions can, about... Where would, they, uh, where would they go to? What's happening here? I think every, everything's falling apart. Yes. Uh, first question comes from Jeff Robinson. Hey, Jeff. Uh, here's a question for Bill. Uh, any good memories of Norfolk, Virginia, or the scope? That you yeah. would like to share? Oh, many, many, many. I, I photographed matches at the uh, uh, at both of those arenas. That was a Jim Crockett territory, and Jim Crockett territory was one of my favorite territories ever. And there were two gentlemen that were photographers for our magazines that I'm still very close friends with: Eddie Cheslock and uh, Floyd Thompson. 
And I got to see them at the uh, awesome wrestling event a few months ago, and it was great reconnecting and meeting the fans from that area again. And I'll be back in that area on October 20th. Go to uh, awesomewrestlingentertainment.com. But, of course, the matches there promoted by Crockett's with the Flares, Nikita Koloff, the Road Warriors, staying. It was just a fabulous time. Only good memories in that territory. Anything specific that jumps out at you? Um, yeah, it was lightning in a bottle because it, it's an era that actually I don't think we'll ever see again. It was that it's now old school wrestling, mm-hmm. but the, the title matches of Ric Flair defending his title against so many incredible competitors in that territory, and those being two of the classic arenas. All right. Uh, Next question coming from Johnny Long. Hey, Johnny Long. Uh, A lot of rumors swirling related to non-WWE wrestlers. Who do you see as legitimate targets for the WWE? I guess to... uh, Who Vince might be looking to get go after a Triple H. Yeah, I mean, well, hey, we have a huge one that was just shown at at NXT. Yeah, Matt Matt Riddle. Riddle. Yeah. Um, I think that, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but do you think that would have maybe been your answer? Had this no, been it, would, it, it would have been one of my answers. But if I'm WWE right now, uh, what I'm looking at is how do we get Cody and the Young Bucks mm. in here? Yeah, that's my thought. Okay, that's a, that's a good answer. Uh, we got another one here from Jeff Robinson. Um, He's a good questioner. Yeah, he really. We these guys poured in a bunch of questions. Him and and Johnny Long, and uh, I wanted to get to them last week. So now I'm getting to them this week. Okay. Uh, over all your years taking pictures, who never liked to have their picture taken? Oh, there were a few of them. Uh, Oli and Gene Anderson used to say to me. Oli would say, uh, "Give us a countdown." Uh, Going back from three, and then we'll pose for you. So they go three. I go three, two, one. They turn their backs and walk walk away. Yeah. Wow. Ric Flair hated standing posing for pictures. Hated it. I'd ask him to pose for pictures backstage. He'd say, sir, please take your pictures in the ring. Once in a while, he'd stand there, and you could tell he didn't like it. He, when he won the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in Kansas City, I was the only photographer there and uh, I went and shot pictures of him backstage with that belt, and he hated those photos. He just didn't think he looked good. So yeah, Flair never liked having his picture taken. On the other side, on the other side, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, um, Chris Jericho, the Road Warriors, Bruno Sammartino. They, these people were all in the majority that would stand there all day for me if I asked them to. I'm surprised by that Ric Flair answer. Why? Because his his whole persona yeah. didn't seem like a... He seems like the kind of guy that would love to have his picture taken. In the ring, when he was in Ric Flair persona, persona backstage, he wasn't always in that persona. Really? Yeah. He was when the ladies were around. Well, I was going to yeah. say, because the yeah. rumors I've heard. Yeah, but he, no, he really never liked standing for pictures. He liked to be in movement for pictures right well last question here is again from johnny long and i promise to anyone who submitted a question you know we had a lot of interviews on this show so we we wanted to kind of wrap things up as quickly as we could but we will get to your questions there there we have them there's lots of them uh this question again from johnny long okay uh given the success of the roh new japan pro wrestling joint promotions roh being ring of honor for anyone who's listening for the first i hate acronyms 
Go Which ahead. is interesting because the professional wrestling business loves acronyms. I know, not me. Not me. Walk with Elias. No, go ahead. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, joint promotions. Uh, wondering whether you think the WWE would ever entertain a joint production with another company. No. You don't think they would? No. Now, they don't we've need, seen so much they do, going they on. They don't need to, unless it's their own other company. Well, no, but we've seen things going on uh, in the UK. A lot of connections. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say they're really doing a joint show, but a lot of relationships. They lend, yeah, relationships, fine. But a joint show, for example, with uh, WWE and uh, um, New Japan, if it ever happened, mm -hmm. I don't think that would happen. Okay. I really don't. Just um, my opinion. I'm going to try and find another question for you here because I, thought you I feel said like that was the last I feel like people are going to give us a, a a hard time if we don't uh, if we don't go to at least some of these uh, some of these questions. Okay. All right. Um, we this comes this from OK Fabe. Yes, OK Fabe. Yes, OK Fabe. He's got a great podcast, by the way, on the and, Fight Network. Yes, and he was also one of my favorite reporters, uh, my SmackDown guy on OneWrestling.com. And he has been very supportive. But of you the have after to say it right. Day one. OK Fabe. Okay. Yeah. Fabe. Fabe. Uh, this has to do with the topic of Hulk Hogan. Okay. Um, if if you could pick three rivals from the current roster in the WWE to feud with Hulk Hogan. Who would you pick? Rusev. Um, Strowman. Mm. Strowman would be first. And Charlotte. No. Uh, <laughs> and Ronda Rousey. No. And, uh, oh, who'd be a good, uh, a good third one? Let me see. Uh, going down the roster in my mind here, I would probably pick. That's a tough one to get a third one there. Yeah. Who would you pick for the third one? Strowman um, definitely would be the first one to. Strowman, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I would think. You know, Dean Ambrose would be a hell of an opponent for him. I don't know. Tough I guy. think the size difference. T no, but tough guy. Yeah, a I kicker, guess so. puncher, I could, Hogan. I would kind of remind me guys. of more of like a Roddy Piper and, yeah, and yeah, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, right. There's some other. There are other guys. Samoa Joe. I think could be uh, kind of has I, that. I, I, no, uh, I think size wise that wouldn't work. No, but no. I think he kind of reminds me more of that. Um, and I'm not talking about his size, but more of back in the day, the uh, the earthquake or big yeah, boss yeah, man, that bigger just, guy would nah, come at you. Doesn't make it with him. Uh, I don't know. That's why we're not booking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. You know what? Uh, I actually have one more question for you here. Okay. Who's it from? Uh, this is from Josh in Philadelphia. Josh, what's his last name? His last name is Chernoff, and he's the host of the After Chat. Yeah, that's and Josh you. wants to know, yep. once upon a time, and I've been wanting to know this for a while now, and I, you know, I feel like uh, what better time than to, uh, to get you here on, on the podcast. Now, you know I've read your book. I love your book. Thank you. Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken. Available at theafterchat.com and Amazon and wherever you get your books. But one thing that is not covered in that is about the time period where you were banned from ringside mm -hmm. by the WWF. Right. Uh, and I would like the answer to that. Um, okay, what happened? You know what? Actually, let me cut you off there for one second. Uh, I have a better idea. What? If I want to hear that, I think the after chatters want to hear that as well. Uh, okay. So what I happened? have a challenge for our after chatters out there. Now, we've gotten some fantastic... You don't want me to answer this? No, no, I want you to answer it, but okay. not, not yet. All right. Not yet. 
I have an idea here. Okay. This is shameless, but I have an idea here. Okay. <laughs> we have gotten some great five-star reviews on iTunes. Yeah. Uh, that we really, really appreciate okay. you guys doing that. And of course, we appreciate all of you uh, listening. You guys and you girls. You didn't right. even catch me there, but I caught myself. It's good. Uh, we appreciate it. Um but we'd love some more. You know, iTunes loves to see those five-star reviews, and we love to see it. And honestly, it just makes us feel good when we look yeah, at it. it really does. So what if we got up to 50 five-star reviews from the After Chatters on iTunes? Okay. Okay? If we hit that, then you tell the story. Okay, that's fine. I mean, that, that's, yeah, we love to feel the love. Yeah, we yeah. do. And I mean, this is this is you know kind of begging for a date, so to speak. But I, I uh, it's marketing. Yeah, you're hey, doing you know your what? job. Whatever. This is my job here at the after. Okay, chat. so let me get this straight. To okay. give this to all the after chatters out there, we need fifty new five star reviews. Yes. On iTunes, and then I'll. Tell the story that's not in my book. And it just, and I should add, it just has to be 50 five-star ratings. If not you're worried 55, about not knowing. 50 comma five-star. 50 comma five-star ratings. Right. Uh, if you would like to leave a review, we would love that. Sure. Uh, we would love to, to hear what you guys think. And if you want to tell us after you've left your five-star review, you can find us on Twitter at The After Chat or go to facebook.com slash The After Chat. Yeah, so earlier in the show, I mentioned that I have some incredible news about Sting. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this week, early this week, I looked down the list of Josh's suggestions for who he would like on the after chat in order. Uh, This was his wish list. He came up with Hulk Hogan. And again, the pod waves went crazy. We shattered it. Well, it's time now to shatter the pod waves once again. Our guest next week will be none other than Sting. Wow. Yeah. You, you got him. We got him. And you will be involved in the interview, of course, because you're the host of the show. Of course. Now, keep in mind that I have not heard, uh, I don't even know if Eric Bischoff has done this, but I haven't heard any podcasts with Sting. Have you? Uh, they, they've, they're pretty few and far between. Yeah, and no, I'm not talking about the singer, of course. Oh. I'm talking about the stinger. Oh, well, that's... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, the, changes everything. The, the iconic Sting, the WWE Hall of Famer. So get your energy going because next week... It's Sting. On the After Chat next week. Uh, you know where we can find our merch. It is at theafterchat.com. Bill, where can they find you? Well, they can find me right here. I'm sitting here. Oh, you're talking about online, on, on social media. They can find me on Twitter at After One Wrestling. That's the number one, not the word. They can email me at beafter at onewrestling.com. But they can't Again, follow you on, on your email. No, they can't follow yeah, we, me. I don't, we, we there's got to be a way week. to do that. Yeah, yeah. got to be a way to do that. Uh, I'm on Facebook. And uh, I'm at conventions. I'm all over the place. And so. I'm in less places, but you can find me on Twitter at so says Chernoff and Facebook.com slash so says Chernoff. Bill, I, I think this has been a, a, a great way to end the show. And This is uh, a wrap? 
I think this is a wrap. No, no, this is a wrap. Yo, yo, the after chat. We've been chewing the fat, so we're going to leave it at that. Oh, myself. What? You uh, anyway, Josh, it's wrestling fixed. I didn't know it was broken. You know what? We'll see you at the matches. Yeah.